Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This week, Jay Axer returns to the podcast. If you haven't heard Jay's previous appearances on the podcast, the links are below and I highly recommend them. Jay is an astounding wealth of information. We never get tired of talking to him and this will probably not be the last time that he makes an appearance on this show. For this episode, we discuss some unique and insightful opinions that Jay has about learning to become an artist, what it's like in those early days of your efforts to build art skills, and how you can set yourself up for success in the best ways possible. There is plentiful amounts of practical advice, action items that you can implement in your practice and efforts to improve, but there is just as much if not more discussion about healthy attitudes, good mindset, and how to immerse yourself in the work with the help of supportive peers. There are thousands upon thousands of hours of material that new artists can find about general how to draw and how to paint techniques. And those are great, but relatively little time gets spent talking about how to cultivate a productive and healthy mental game, which is kind of strange to me. And I hope that we can add a little bit to counter that. I know that there is a hunger for this kind of discussion, and we plan on having more of these in the future. A bit of housekeeping news before we start. This episode will be the last episode before an extended hiatus for the podcast. Various logistical concerns in my personal life will make it very difficult to produce episodes for the next few weeks, so we have to press pause. But we will return, so please stay tuned. And now, let's listen to our conversation with Jay Axer. Yay! Should we do Christmas hats again for absolutely no reason whatsoever? No? Okay. Uh, then we'll take that off. Um, Jay, hello again. Hello. Again. Round three, dude. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, always happy to be here. For anybody watching after the fact, I, I have to make I have to address the awkward empty shelves <laughs> where I'm just like displaying random pieces of art. We're in the process of moving. So I have like nothing on those shelves anymore. And I was like, that just looked really weird when it's just completely <laughs> barren shelves. So um I stuffed art in there, whatever I could find laying around before the show started. So that's what's happening there. Uh now on to the important stuff. Um uh, <laughs> Jay, uh, if you can, uh, for anybody that didn't catch any of the previous episodes that you've been on, uh, can you give us a quick intro about yourself? Get us caught up a little bit. Certainly. Uh, my name is Jay Axer. Uh, I've been doing art since the late 90s. I've done overall about 14 years of freelance art, ranging from concept to illustration and different styles and, and methods. I started art traditionally. I now do it mostly digitally. I've been in the games industry for now about 12 years, 
uh, which has ranged from indie to AA to AAA and mobile gaming. Uh, mobile gaming fits its own little space. I currently work for Blizzard. Uh, I am the 2D art lead on Hearthstone. And that's that's a depressingly quick way to sum up like 20 years of experience. I don't think it's depressing. I think it's uh, awesome um, how you found yourself into the niches that best suit you. Um, and that's fucking, that's awesome. Um, most of our episodes, most of the things that we talk about on this podcast are geared towards um, business, marketing, how to make money once you have skills, some modicum of skills. Um, but we were hoping to talk to you today. Um, because as Moose has said in the past, not to throw Moose under the bus, but that you have strong opinions about learning art. Uh, and so we're excited to talk to you um, about that and like how you honed your skill and what type of, you know, advice and remarks you have for people that are kind of like just coming into it um, or at the very early stages. And there will be listeners can anticipate a ton of practical technical and like immediately applicable advice, you know, and discussion throughout this. But I actually would like to start with a couple of philosophical questions because I think that it speaks to a big part of a mental game that really um, lays the groundwork, you know, acts as the substrate for everything that you grow afterwards. Um, so the idea of good and bad art seems inadequate in a conversation about learning um, certainly how to see your own art um, because it's so subjective. Obviously, that kind of goes without saying. Um, but there are places and times where an artist will be expected to meet certain standards. So when is it worthwhile to establish certain standards and why? Uh, so that's going to be in my opinion, pretty much based off what your personal goals are with your art. Cause you know, uh, people get into art for different reasons. You know, sometimes you get in because you want to do it as a hobby. Sometimes you want to go for a generalized idea of a job. Like I want to be an illustrator professionally, or you want to go or a specific job. I want to work on league of legends. Um, so it's easier obviously to know where the bar is that you're supposed to get good uh, towards if you know what that specific project is but i think it's always worth investing towards whatever your determined direction is but if you if you don't have one then really you're the one determining what better is because you know what you want to do versus what you're capable of doing which is a good way for me to use a lot of words to say not a whole lot <laughs> but uh but you know it, it, it when people are just like i want to get better that question is very difficult to answer as like not so much how to get better but like when you have become better because you can always improve right everybody knows like you can improve forever you, there's always something even if it's just you know horizontally instead of vertically you can you can be better at different styles better at color better at drawing you could switch your medium you can do all of that but if you're ever aiming towards like for a job reason that's a much easier question to answer because you can kind of have a a vague idea of well this is what's expected this is where you kind of need to be you know if you're a character artist you need to 
generally understand anatomy, be able to draw a character in more than one position, be able to design outfits, character ideals, match that up. If you're in games, present it in a way that it can work within that pipeline. If you're animation, understand what the animators are going to need and what kind of information you're going to want. Because, you know, if you're designing a, a really great looking outfit in comics, it might be more detailed than if you do it in animation because they're going to have to draw a million frames of that character's jacket with 30 million pockets. Axer, stop doing that. Um, so, you know, uh, but but yeah, like that's that's always going to come down to the individual. I don't think that there's really a generalized answer for that because in my opinion, learning is so unique to each person who wants to learn because the one person's intention could be, I want to be an illustrator and another's would be the same. But when you really start to ask those people questions, you'll realize there's a lot of differences between the two. Um, and what illustration is in general, there's a lot of differences in that opinion. So, And uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Um, a lot of new artists will say, like, how long does it take to be good at art? And it's mm -hmm. as if there is a, um, a, a time point where you can say, OK, now at this point, I was good. No. Um, depends on how you're determining what good is. Are you, is it good in an ability and skill level, or is it good in that the result looks good? Cause if you want to be good fast, you just trace everything. Um, and that's a very real thing. Um, and now more than ever, you'll see that that's what artists do. They'll be like, Hey, use references. And then other ones will be like, well, by references, I mean, just trace the thing if you don't know it. And then you'll see entire people going like, I can't draw a person until I started tracing them. And now I'm really good at drawing people. And it's like, well, that depends on how you're looking at it. your your result is you've drawn very good people and it's certainly your lines but skill wise if i took the photo away would you be able to draw a person probably not so you know it really depends again it's the intention of the individual um do you want to make art that looks good or do you want to creatively be able to construct that from scratch you know um it's kind of like you know do you want to be a collage artist do you want to be a uh, a painter who who paints entire scenes um, from your mind, or do you want to be, you know, somebody who references and paints still lifes? And there's there's a huge gamut of what that means. So when somebody says like, I want to get good fast, it's like, okay, well, determine first of all what they want to do, and then determine what they're capable of doing, and then from there, you know, you're just parsing out, you know, the the knowns, and then trying to fill in the unknowns with what applies, which would be for a lot of people, they want to actually learn how to draw the thing. You know what I mean? They, if they're like, I want to draw a superhero, they don't mean I want to look at a superhero and copy it, or I want to trace a person and put a superhero op, uh, outfit on it. They mean they want to be able to sit down and take the picture from their mind and coalesce it onto the paper or digital canvas or what have you. And that, that, amount of time that that takes is so different from one person to the next there's never really an answer of how long it takes you know and then there's the the quote of what is it like ten thousand hours or whatever to 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 master something and it's like dude i know people have spent over ten thousand hours at art and they are very unhappy people <laughs> and you know and I, i've known people who've spent less than that and they're incredible it's just you know taking into account the individual it complicates this conversation so you really have to talk to more about like specific people or specific experiences um so in trying to navigate that and trying to figure out you know what your healthy experience will be do you have advice for 
you know, how to approach that. Like, like what is the healthy way for an artist to hold themselves up to certain standards without feeling defeated or inadequate? <laughs> well, uh, gotta go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, in my opinion, honestly, it's just finding what that balance is for you because learning isn't always going to be fun. It's frustrating when you don't know something and you're trying to force yourself to know something. But for me, I've seen the most most success, the, the most amount of people I've worked with or worked around is finding a balance between, you know, trying to trying to learn, trying to better yourself, doing studies, whatever have you, but then turning that off and just simply enjoying what you're doing, whether you know it or not. Like, you know, if you if you've got a, a little child um, and they really want to draw a plane, they usually just sit down and they draw the plane. They don't care as much if the plane is correct. They care more like if you just let them do it, right? If you start telling them how to do it and they don't want to hear your opinion, they'll get frustrated. But if they draw a bad looking plane, they usually don't care. Uh, they're just having fun. If you can channel a bit of that now um, and balance that with when you do care about how that plane looks, uh, I found that people can sustain learning for longer amounts of time over time. Uh, because they're not burning out constantly. Um, I don't know if that's really the answer to what you're saying, but that's that's an approach that I found pretty successful. Is really, if you're under the pressure of judgment from yourself, from other people, you know, you're looking for reviews on your art, portfolio reviews. You're you're trying to study. I really need to learn how to draw like thick fabric and how it falls on the body. And you know, you're referencing things. You're looking at things. You're watching videos. You're you're trying to do it yourself and 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 that's all you do is studies. Uh, eventually, you can sometimes lose sight of why you might have done art in the first place, unless your only goal was like do splash art for Riot or you know. But usually, when people I talk to and they're like, I really want to do splash art for Riot because they're like, it inspires me. I love the look. I really think it's fun to be able to do that. But then you hear only accounts of the really unfun stuff they're doing to get there, which. You know, you do have to sometimes train under, you know, 100 times gravity. Um, there's there's moments for that. But I've, I've noticed that most artists, and we'll just say big name artists, because usually people don't want to listen to people they haven't heard of, um, which I fall into the category of quite often. But you'll hear a lot of similar stories where they're like, oh, yeah, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was like, just hammer it, do it all the time, do nothing but draw, sacrifice your social life, you know, do all this. If you want it, you really got to do 100 million percent only unto this. And then later they're like, oh, I regret doing that. I didn't need to do that. I physically hurt myself or I mentally burnt out. I I realized there was a balance, you know. So I think really the balance is the thing. Um, and then from there, it's learning how you learn personally to, to, to improve. That's the key thing, learning how you personally improve. Or what's the best way for you personally to improve? But if you're like right at the start of things and you don't know enough to know what you don't know, how do you go about finding out what is the best way for me to start learning? Well, I would, uh, let's just create a, a fake person right now. You know, this, this, this is Jim. Jim's going to go learn art. He's, he hasn't really learned art. He's fairly young. Let's just say he's in his late teens. He's like, 18 years old right he's like that's a relatively late start for art you know i mean i didn't start art uh until i was about 16 and all my friends had done it since they could remember 
but you know, most people would be like, well, watch this person's video. You know what I mean? Go look at this person's tutorial, see what tools these people use and whatnot. I came from a little bit different of a background where when I was drawing and my friends were drawing, we didn't have that information available. You just talked to other people you knew who were doing the thing you wanted to do. In my case, people drawing anime or Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever. And you're like, oh, wow, that looks really cool. What do you do? Oh, well, I colored the lines. Oh, neat. Um, my advice is actually not the advice that most people would give, which is if you're just starting out and you want to find out what you're capable of and what you're not, you don't necessarily do that by following someone else's instruction. You sit down and you try and do it yourself. You go, I want to draw this thing. Find a pencil or do it digitally and just try and do it and see if you can figure it out and have some fun. And that's a pain in the butt because the first thing I usually get told is, yeah, but I, I'm not good at it or I don't really know how. It's like that exploration is going to help define you and get you to understand where you're at, how you think, which goes into how do you learn, right? Because I've seen people spend 10, 20 years trying to learn or execute based off somebody else's advice and never exploring any other avenues or trying to find their own. So if you enjoy art, and you actually genuinely think you want to do it as opposed to you're just doing it because you want to get that job or you want people to like you because you made this awesome thing. That is a very different intention. Um, my first suggestion is explore on your own for a while. Just find things you like and go like, how would I do that? You know what I mean? Do things that you want to do. Draw the plane. Don't care how it looks for a while. Just see how it feels. Um, and you'll start to automatically on your own find like well that didn't feel as good as this or when i did this that was better and then you can start to give context to the tutorials and videos and advice that people would give you because you have something to weigh it against um i think sometimes people feel more lost than they need to be simply because there's so much advice out there and everyone's ready to give it hell i'm giving it right now um and sometimes it, it helps to just tune that off and just be like, I'm going to be on my own for a moment and just see how this goes. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's tougher sometimes, but it can also be really fun and interesting. And you can realize that, that your voice and your approach in that is just as important as somebody else's who has 40 years of experience. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, a similar piece of advice that you hear sometimes, you know, which is, essentially it boils down to doing studies is fine um, but you have to then do something that kind of puts that to the test or uh, gives you the opportunity to incorporate that learning because otherwise it's just amorphous knowledge that has no application so if you do a bunch of studies great then like do something that you actually really enjoy doing some imaginary concept kind of thing and try and pull from what you've learned and test it so to speak and then see like okay what am i still not what am i still missing or what am i still not grasping and then focus on that yeah for sure i mean understanding what you're doing versus just executing on it so like if you're like i'm going to do a study on a pair of sunglasses and you just get a bunch of pictures of sunglasses and you just copy the sunglasses that's very different than trying to understand and pull from your mind what you've retained about how sunglasses look. So um, if you are tracing sunglasses, you're going to learn the least because you're just you're just copying the thing. You, you're you're going to get great looking sunglasses. You know, like I saw a quote from somebody recently where they were like, um, I started tracing 
pictures of people and they're like, I've never had more confidence about my art in my life. And they're like, and I've never, I've never felt so skillful and I've never felt that, you know, now it's not taking forever to do this. The problem there is take that photo away and they're back where they were before, right? They don't feel confident anymore. They're not as skillful and it's taking a lot longer because they didn't learn anything. They simply traced the thing and they're like, now this is mine. Um, so then the next step would be doing studies or using reference, right? Now they're looking at that photo and trying to execute on it. Now they're thinking a bit more while they're doing it. They're having to look at this and be like, how do I make this but here? And they can't rely on that grid or that that trace. So now they're thinking a bit more. The evolution of that is is the bicycle method, which I, I talk about nonstop. And for context, I'll talk about again now which is to engage your mind and put that test while you're using the reference. So you're, this is a way to do studies. Um, so it doesn't work for everybody, but it's it worked the best for me. For somebody whose goal is to learn and understand how to draw something so they can do it on their own. Because mentally what you want is like a 3D model that you're turning around without having to have a 3D model that you actually render and trace. You know what I mean? Because that's not really learning it. That's doing 3D art and then just tracing the 3D art. You can do that, but it's very different from understanding and knowing how to draw something. So the bicycle method named for the example being a bicycle is you want to draw a bicycle. Step one is don't look at a bicycle. <laughs> draw a bicycle from memory. Most people suck at this unless you really love bicycles. Um, I even right now cannot perfectly draw a bicycle. I can do it pretty well. Um, and then there's variations, but let's just go with a, a, a basic bicycle. And uh, you draw it to the best of your ability. Then you put that aside. You look for reference of the bicycle that you're trying to draw. You take that reference. You don't trace it. You don't look at it and copy it. You study that reference while looking at your artwork. You look at the differences between them. What did I miss? Oh, the spokes don't make sense. Oh, the chain actually works like this. You know. Oh, the pedals actually, you know, there's a pivot here. That's why they stabilize. As you start to see the differences aesthetically, and then from an engineering standpoint, maybe understand how they work. An example for that would be anatomy, like understanding how a shoulder joint works and how the pectoral connects to the shoulder muscle and how that raises if you raise your arm. You start to understand what you're drawing. So you make rules and connections that you can draw from literally when you draw it. Put that reference away. You're left with your crappy bicycle. Maybe it's amazing. Let's assume that our, our poor guy, Jim, he can't really draw a bicycle well. Now he's going to edit that bicycle with what he studied, what he retains. Okay, change the pedals. Change the gear. Change all of that. Then when he's satisfied, bring that reference back. Look between them again. What did I hit? What did I mess up? Okay. You, by comparing and giving context and having to execute from your mind, you're maintaining that memory and you're using it, which is how we remember stuff. You know what I mean? If you work with your coworker every day and you say, hello, Bill, hello, Jane, you remember Bill and Jane a lot more than if you just passingly saw them once and, and they introduced their name and you didn't really have a reason to call upon it. The final step is really whatever you want. You can then take the take that and look at it and then finish your bike or whatever. But the end result is you're going to be retaining more and more about this thing while you study it, a person, anatomy, et cetera, because you're having to draw from your memory. You're not just looking at the reference and executing off of it. You're certainly not tracing it. This is how I 
am able to draw people from scratch, draw vehicles from scratch, animals from scratch, things like this. Everybody has their own experiences, things they lean on. You know, this does take time. It is certainly faster to simply just look at something and draw it. You know, um, let's just say we're in a vacuum. Let's not do the, well, concept people have to, or, well, you have a deadline. So, you know, this is just trying to learn. This is a really good, solid way to learn. And, uh, and that's my recommendation when people want to start studies is don't just look at the thing and draw it. Think about it. Try and see what you've retained. Try to understand it. Know what you're lacking so you know what to pay attention to. Because if I tell you to paint a forest and you just look at a painting of a forest or a drawing of forest, that's great. You can pull a lot from that. But what happens when that goes away? What can you execute on your own? Because that's what your real skill is. Um, and and I think that that's really interesting. Um, some people have no, uh, they have no desire to actually know how to do it. They don't care. The, the end result is just what does the art look like? You know what I mean? So who cares if you trace, who cares if you whatever, and that's valid. That's really valid. It's not what I look for because to me, my interest is in the craft, right? My interest is in the ability to execute and create these things. It's why I'm good at my job. I can just do this stuff. It didn't come from nowhere though. You need to have references. You need to study these things. You need to figure out how you learn. I just figured out that that's how I learn. Um, just like I figured out that the best way for me to learn a program is to try it first to give context for the tutorials that I'll learn later of like, oh, well, that's what this tool does. That's what this tool does. And that's why some tools in Photoshop I'll use differently than most people I know because I played with them first and I found out a weird little quirk and they're like, oh, well, I just followed this list. But to some people without direction, they can't get there. So that's what tutorials are for. That's what different types of studies are. There's no wrong way to learn in, in, unless you're betraying what your intentions are, right? Uh, that's how I feel. The older I get, the more reliant I feel on those step-by-step -step guides to do things. Like when I was a kid, just pick up whatever and start messing around with it. No problem. No expectation of being able to do something with it. But then now I'm like, okay, well, how do I do the thing that I came here to do? Now, I don't want this to sound cheeky, but like if I want to start drawing more than just bicycles, it will bicycle will practice. And I understand like bicycles is just for the sake of example, um, but continuing with that example, um, let's just say I like I, I proceeded with um, that methodology that you were just describing and I got really good at drawing bicycles. Is there a cumulative effect where now the next thing that I go to work on to like learn how to draw or whatever, I'm pulling experience and I'm pulling information from that whole process of learning to draw bicycles with me into the next thing. So it's not then like I'm starting from scratch with cars or heads. I now have like some like basis that I'm building on top of. Certainly. Uh, uh, that's the goal anyways. I mean, it's different for everyone, but the, the idea there is that you're learning how to efficiently pull that information, retain it, tricks and things that work for you. You're like, oh, when I did this, I paid more attention. When I thought about it this way, I paid more attention. You know, now it's teaching you how to look at things in a more efficient manner for executing off of, you know, like when you take a walk, now you're paying attention to details a little differently than you were before. And that'll evolve over time. You know, um, Changing how you perceive things, changing how you use that perception to then draw from, you know, and changing uh, your familiarity with what you're doing, because there's there's so many facets to art, you know, 
Um, and it's kind of like when people are like, oh, I want to draw comics. Well, one of the best ways is to start drawing comics. So you know what you what you suck at and you you see what you understand and what you don't and go from there. And so all that experience, supposedly, anyways, it certainly does for me. If I draw that bike and I learn how to draw that bike that way, I'm I'm learning how to pay attention to the person I'm trying to draw or the room that I'm trying to draw. And you just get a bit more efficient. And that goes on both the learning side and the execution side. Um, you know, eventually you'll start to intuit more, I think, you know, which is great because that's going to be your voice in art. You know, do you want to do just an exact replica of the thing you're looking at, or do you want to start to put your heart and your soul into it? Um, which is, which is a different conversation. I saw, I, I was watching, was it the, the cold burger art guy? Um, he, uh, he was talking very aggressively, which is a joy about, about like putting yourself in the art and why somebody doing art from what they understand can be more important to people than someone who just traces something or uses an AI program to create art. And why would artists not get replaced? And it's that it's that piece of you, that interpretation, that perception that you then put into the work that nobody else would ever do. So like if you, Joby, were doing an amazing piece of art and I'm like, I'm gonna do my Joby impression and I'm gonna try and make it look exactly like you, I'd probably never be able to really do it exactly like you would ever because we're just so different and our experiences and the way that we've learned and executed are so different. I could probably get close enough eventually that someone who isn't you would be like, oh, that's probably Joby. But realistically, we're always going to have our fingerprints on everything. And that's something you're going to learn, you know, like when somebody says, how do I find my style? This is this is also how you find your style, because your style is going to be collecting things you like, executing like things that you've seen, and then starting to find pieces that you don't like, and you throw those out. And then you collect this, and you like that. Oh, I love how Akira Toriyama does the crazy, spiky, stylized hair but I don't like this level of detail, so I'll throw that out. Oh, I like how this person does bodies, but I don't like how angular it is, so I'll throw that out. And eventually you land on your personal expression, your perception filter, your style. And that can be more than one, um, but as, as you move on and evolve, even when you're kind of emulating somebody, you almost, without trying, will start to emulate more of yourself rather than just the thing you're copying. There's a few people who I think I've seen that are very successful that they really do just make a whole career of just like, I'm the Xerox of this other person, but that's their intention. If you're really looking for your own style, it's gonna happen naturally over time. How much time? Again, depends on the person. There's no like, oh, you put in 30 days exactly. Here's your license, you have your style, here's your, you know, your, your pro now. Um, but these are these are just ways to think about it and methods to explore that to to hopefully help people along. But I personally believe in allowing agency for artists, and this is at all steps of their career, um, whether they're professionals and they have their own voice and they're they're like the person you really want to hire on your team now to lead the team, or there's somebody just starting off. You need to be able to allow yourself room to explore or express yourself. If you're just following the words of someone else, like like here, these are examples you could explore. If you're just listening to only me, eventually you're gonna hold yourself back, I feel. Um that that question of style, first I just want to say that question of style is a huge one. Um and I I wanna come back to that, but I still wanna rock this bicycle thing for a while. <laughs> so in the process of learning to draw the bicycle, 
and I'm coming up, I'm confronting, you know, some barriers or whatever, you know, and I, I, I know to a certain extent, your part of your response is going to be, it depends on the person. <laughs> and that's, and that's, uh, I'm so but, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's, it's, it, I'm acknowledging it because it's valid. Um, and, but with that in mind, do you, do you think that there is a point at which, uh, it does become valuable for somebody to then, uh, start learning the the context of the bicycle you know like perspective and um well, certainly in drawing a bicycle perspective is probably like the most relevant fundamental there you know so like at what point in that process uh does it behoove the beginner to then turn to you know just like the raw data of like of perspective fundamentals, fundamentals yeah, yeah so they can start putting verbiage to the things that um, they might not have words for well, my instinct is to say when it starts frustrating them that they're not hitting any of the fundamentally related issues, like, oh, my lighting is crap and it's bothering me, or I've noticed I can't put this bike in perspective or I don't get it. I mean, then you just start putting that as part of that. You know, you can you can do a study of perspective exercises and use the bicycle method for that. You know, oh, I'm going to learn single point perspective. I'm going to read up on it or I'm going to see a visual aid or whatever. And now I'm going to, on my own, try to execute on it and compare my notes to either a mentor's advice or my guide for, you know, perspective or whatever. And basically you're just doing your work, then you're checking your work, right? Fundamentals as early as you can get them are great, but I've had people like, any art conversation I've had on my streams uh, usually have people going like, learn fundamentals first, fundamentals first. And it's like, yes, as soon as you can, absolutely. Because you're going to have to unlearn a bunch of stuff later if you don't. But in my opinion, before fundamentals is just do the thing and enjoy it a little bit. See if it's even for you. Um, because uh, because I've found a lot of people who they just delve straight into fundamentals and it's in and they're like, wow, art's just homework and I don't really like it. And I'm like, man, when I started drawing, I didn't study anything. I I drew Yu Yu Hakusho fan art and I drew Goku and you know what I mean? And I and I ripped off stuff and I was like, wow, I can draw this whole temple. It looks like garbage, but it's mine. You know what I mean? And it, I didn't learn clothing, anatomy, perspective, or anything. It was horrible, but it was really fun. And that's the fire that drove me to learn that stuff. And that's when fundamentals came in. And that's when color theory came in and all of that. And I accidentally learned some of that stuff just through exploration. But again, some other people, that won't happen. They'll be lost. And so at that point, you know, they have to learn earlier. This is a much easier conversation if I have it with one person. And I'm like, well, in this person's case, you know, because again, depends. But um, absolutely, I think as early as they get frustrated with it or start to feel that pull is when you should do it. Because a lot of the times I hear from artists and they're saying, I really wanted to do this thing, but so-and-so said to do this instead. And I'm kind of like, I'd rather just you just do the thing you felt like you really wanted to do. Because eventually, if you're really wanting to learn, that thing you really want to do is going to be, I really want to learn this thing. You know what I mean? I really want to learn perspective. Um, Alexander Dubois uh, um, Zedig had once been asked, like, what's the most important fundamental? And uh, he said perspective, and I definitely agree, because perspectives can apply to everything, people, uh, buildings. You know, most people are just like, oh, now you can draw a cityscape. It's like, well, you know, perspective, you can draw a body from any angle. You can draw the bike, you know, flying through the air above you or sinking into the ground, and it'll look convincing. Um, but 
you know, if you get into the weeds of perspective on the first day somebody's ever picked up a pencil, sometimes they're just going to see geometry and they're going to be out. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I try and soft play that and just be like, look, these things are here. They're important. But what's most important is you figuring out what you're interested in. Um, because if you can make somebody learn, that's fine. But if you can get them excited to learn, that's better. And uh, because that investment is what retains that information you actually want to know perspective you're like oh this sucks but i'm getting better at it and then they'll get excited when they're able to do it and now their bicycles in perspective the chain's in the wrong place but it's in perspective and you know you take the victories where you get them um so yeah there's there's always value in that and and it's up to the individual when they start to explore that and i think what people forget too is when you're in the weeds of perspective, as an example, you can always pull out for a while and just do your own thing and then get back to it. Like if you're like, man, this has been a rough week. I just really want to doodle something stupid. Like you shouldn't have to apologize for that. You shouldn't have to ask for permission. Um, you know, it's uh, I had somebody when I was doing a workshop, they had a really rough week and they were like, my head's not in this. And I was like, just add a week later. You know what I mean? Come back. I'm like, and if you don't feel like drawing, you don't feel like drawing, but but this will hurt your ability to learn. And they just went and doodled something else, you know, and then I just made that part of the lesson later. I was like, oh, well, let's look at this and let's bring it in. And they were super excited about that because it's not a rigid thing. But some people who need that rigid, you know, I need to be two hours a day at this point. That's that's totally as valid. That's what makes this. This is why I'm not a YouTuber selling you videos of how to learn because People want to hear confident, you know, the the two ways to absolutely do this, you know, oh, you got to, you know, and then that's great and that's cool, but it's not going to apply to everybody. And I'm aware of that. And I've been in the industry a long time and I've been doing it a long time. And the number one thing I've, I've learned is that there's way more people I've run into that are like, well, this just doesn't work for me. And they're frustrated versus people that feel okay to explore other avenues to learn and execute. So I'm very much somebody who leans into the people should explore those avenues for themselves versus just go there's only one way because you can learn perspective a lot of different ways too i was actually i did a a stream on perspective for like over three hours and i was just trying to give multiple ways to think about you know how you're going to interpret what perspective is because perspective has hard rules there's things you do that are right and there's things that you do that are wrong but the goal is to understand it in a way that you can make sense of and it's not always going to be the math but the math is there and then break those rules if you want to because you understand it once you understand what the bike looks like how it functions you can then create your own bike and it can be in the rules of bullcrap and doesn't work in the real world but if you're then understanding enough you can create new rules and abide by those that's what concepting is you know so everything's linked to everything nothing matters no i'm just <laughs> that that commonality though is is fun making it fun keeping it enjoyable so I, I would posit that whereas it is going to be different for everybody that has to be the commonality like no one's going to keep doing it if they're not enjoying it so that should be the ultimate fundamental well uh, oh, the funny thing uh, is yeah. because uh we brought coldberger earlier my understanding is from hearing him talk uh, previously on his stream he does not actually enjoy art. It was something that he was able to learn how to do and make a career out of. So he's been able to be more blunt with people. 
on his stream because he's just like, guys, this isn't my love, this isn't my passion, but I was able to learn how to do it, so can you. And I have opinions on that too. Um, and it's one of the things that I was actually talking with Cammy about when we were watching his stream once is like, he's he's got these like, well, this is what you have to do. This is how you have to think about it. And he's like, he comes from the he comes from the school of thought, um, and I can be corrected on this, and certainly he could correct me on this too, because I don't like speaking for people. But my interpretation is that he comes from the school of thought of if you aren't constantly pushing yourself, there's no real point to what you're doing. Um, and that is a very destructive mindset. It will kill the enjoyment of it. I'm not surprised that he doesn't enjoy doing art. I'm also not surprised that his art is phenomenal because you'll get results from that. So then is your goal to enjoy it? and cultivate it through joy, or is your goal to cultivate it by any means necessary and become that top tier, whatever you wanna be? Um, that's a sliding scale, right? You can adjust at any time. Um, his slider is on the execution side. You know what I mean? Blame yourself if it's bad, but don't celebrate too much if it's good because you could always be better, always be grinding. You know what I mean? This is, this is how you succeed. And for him, it works. For other people, I've seen it break them in half and they left art forever. So I'm from the other school of art. I'm, I'm completely on the other side of that slider where I'm like, no, don't do that. That's gonna break you. That's gonna make you miserable. But you know, everybody's gotta find where they are. And both his method and my method are absolutely just as, as correct. And that's what's scary and frustrating and difficult for somebody who's getting into art because they're like, well, what is right? And you're telling them, well, a lot of things are right, you know, imagination. And they're like, that doesn't give me an answer. And it's like, the answer is these are avenues you can explore, um, philosophies of thought, schools of thought that you can consider and weigh against your own, you know, biases and, and see where you fit. And just remember, you can always move on that scale at any time. I've seen more people who are on his scale of, I don't enjoy art, but I can execute on it. My love isn't this, but I want this to look really good, who then slowly move over to maybe I want to just do the dumb thing and enjoy it and I don't need to. For me, I want my art to be really phenomenal when it needs to be or I want it to be, but I'm also, I really enjoy drawing a dumb, stupid, simple cartoony thing that quite frankly, I've worked with people in the industry who are like, why are you wasting your time on that? That's not like amazing. And I'm like, well, it's amazing to me because it's what I wanted to do. Also, that's insulting. But uh, you know, I mean, like, like, it really just depends. But I find I, I find Coldberger's approach very interesting, because it, it works, it does, if you can maintain, it's like, a, I don't know what I call it, sleeping on concrete or something, you can sleep on concrete, you'll get a very certain specific result. And if that's what you want, but it's never going to be comfortable. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, he, he reads to me as a very uncomfortable dude. <laughs> and, uh, well, he has that cool. real, he has that real hardcore, like German asceticism, you know, mm -hmm. where it's just like, he's like very, <laughs> he's focused. I, yeah. not to speak for him. I, I, I would take the, I would take the hesitant risk though, of suggesting that, well, either at one point he did enjoy it. So there's that. Mm -hmm. And two, I think that he still does enjoy it on some level. I was just watching his stream the other day. I feel bad we're talking about him while he's not here. Sometimes he does I'm talking pop up. about him in a positive light. At yeah. Least, and so sometimes he does pop. <laughs> sometimes he pops up in chat too. So maybe he'll show up and be like, what the fuck? Um, if you ever watch this. Hi, I love your work. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, 
the other day I was watching a stream and he was just goofing around and he was having a great time. He was having, he was drawing something completely silly. Uh, he was totally loving it. He was having fun with his chat. It was, it was a, a good time. So I think even for him, the good time is still possible. You know, oh, it's yeah. just that, like, like you said, he has that sort of focus in it and it works for him. When I said that joy has to be the, the part of it, I I'm definitely thinking of like the beginner mentality. Mm-hmm. And when you go into something to learn it, I think that joy should be uh the the main motivator or the 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 main reward that you get from it you know this goes into a whole spiral of like you know jobs you hate and doing it anyway and like people that go to medical school or become piano prodigies and they fucking hate every second of it but they have all this external pressure blah 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 yes i understand that that happens i'm not so naive that like i don't realize that people do fucked up shit in spite of how horrible it is for them. Nonetheless, let's talk about healthy mindsets and going into something, you know, that you want to get good at. Um, joy. It should be the, the, I think the main, the main motivator. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good catalyst, but um, to give context to where I'm coming from, for anybody who's here now or will listen to this later, um, when I was growing up and I got into art, it was a very different time than it is now. You know, I mean, I'm not a million years old, but I'm not 19. You know what I'm saying? So we really were just groups of people when the internet was young who were just like doing whatever. There was no social media trend to tell us what to draw or or direct people that this isn't in vogue anymore. So Really, it was just people making cool stuff in every direction, whatever you could think of and however you could think of. I mean, that was when the argument was still, you know, is digital art real art? You know, traditional art takes this, but you can just hit control Z in digital. Is that cheating or is it not? You know what I mean? That's now the question is like, is using Blender and then painting on it? Is that cheating? Is that 2D art anymore? Um, in my opinion, that's not 2D art anymore, but it's it's no less art than any other art is i mean art's art you just again that's that my opinion is just as long as you're honest about your method who the hell cares what your method is because you know what you wanted to do and you did it hopefully or you're working towards it and that's your art journey and i support that but when i was younger saved myself there and uh <laughs> and we were learning it there we really were just it was a joyful time you know what i mean it was there was frustrations and depression and all of that, um, but it was just like, oh, you wanted to draw Sonic, you drew Sonic. Nobody was like, oh, you're an idiot for drawing Sonic. Uh, they were just like, oh, you drew Sonic, that's cool. Uh, oh, you want to draw anime? Okay, you're drawing anime. Only the art school people were really going like, well, that's not real art. Big eyes on a face, that's stupid. You know, you need to draw, like, paint a real person. And so that's the that's where we flourished, was we weren't overly concerned with how we were learning. If anything, people back then wouldn't share their methods with each other, pe- with other people. They were like, um, you know, it's like Mega Man, but if he were to shoot the metal blade, people would see how he did it and steal his power, and now he can't do it anymore because they're doing it. Um, and uh, for, for me, I was always interested in, you know, the the pen and teller method of i'm going to tell you how we did it and it's going to be just as interesting and then below telling you how we did it there's another secret that maybe we're not revealing till later and i love learning with people and i love art as a collaborative process i actually am allergic to competitive art i don't learn through competition other people do i learn through inspiration and collaboration that's better um because 
then you aren't cultivating egos. I think that art competition doesn't always, but it can be one of the best ways to cultivate a really indestructible ego that becomes the type of person that I don't want to work with, quite frankly, um, where they're more interested in what their status is relative to other people than actually just making cool stuff and helping other people make cool stuff. Uh, so, you know, I don't feel when I give up myself to someone else that I'm losing something. It's not a zero-sum game for me. Um, I feel that we're all able to lift each other up, but some people hear that and they're like, wow, that's really some some childish crap you're spewing. It's really, you know, you, everybody's each other's competition. I'm like, well, yeah, you're not wrong, but how many people are going to want to work with you with that attitude? You're really going to have to put way more points on your character sheet into how good you are because that's going to be people going, well, he's kind of a jerk, but he is really good, you know, versus like, wow, it's not a jerk and also really good and also helps these other people get really good and has a great balance across board, you know. Um, so it's really understanding what you're looking for and how you want to do it. So to me, that joy that I grew up with, I see it far less now. What I see now is scared people, nervous people, angry people, competitive people going like, well, you know, I'm not getting enough likes on Twitter. I'm not getting enough, you know, people in my stream. I have to scream in order to be heard. My my art goes in the void and static of of the universe. And I understand if you're trying to feel relevant through the views of other people, which is always a thing. And to be fair, when we were younger, we got people to look at our art. It was actually much easier to do that. But if you're not going for a job, you have to give yourself a break once in a while and simply make something that if nobody saw it, maybe you would still be okay with, with how it looked. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I'm going to paint that bicycle. And I just really wanted to make a bicycle. My example is like an SR-71. You know what I mean? Back in the day, like people's, everybody's like favorite plane, the SR-71. It's like, it's so rad. You know, if you want to make it radder, a dinosaur is driving it. Like something out of Calvin and Hobbes, right? And you're just like, this is fun or this is cool. And it's cool to you. It doesn't need to be cool to anyone else. It's great if it is. But if you can get that moment with your art where you're just like, I'm making the thing. And if I were the angsty artist in the basement doing it on a canvas, and then I'm just going to set it on fire when I'm done, but I did the thing. If you can achieve that, then you're ahead of the game because most people will never get to the point where they can honestly make something that they enjoy, even if nobody sees it and nobody hits like or retweet on it. Um, and that's nobody's fault. That's just how it is now. You know what I mean? Um, but we can navigate that. You can still enjoy what you do. You can still learn a lot and then balance it with, with being able to enjoy what you do. But again, it goes back to understanding who you are, what your goals are, and how you learn. Um, and more people now are selling you videos or telling you what to do and not giving you an out. Like you, you'll notice that like to some people, I'm going to sound like I'm flip-flopping a lot. It's like, I totally do this. This works. And then I end it with, but figure your own self out and weigh it against what I'm saying. And they're like, well, that's very non-committal. It's like, no, I'm giving you an out. If this doesn't work for you, I'm explaining to you, you always have another direction you could go. And you can change direction at any time. I knew somebody who was absolutely a phenomenal, like classical painter, incredibly skillful at a very young age, completely switched and does like geometrical impressionist furry art now. And they're happier than they've ever been. And people are like, why would you give up on this amazing career? And it's like, well, this is their new amazing career. They found their personal truth. They understood what they were actually looking for and they pivoted. But most people feel that they've got a sunk cost in anything they've done, any method, any anything, and they won't change course, you know? And uh, I'm here to tell you for what it's worth, <laughs> you can, it'll be difficult. 
but you can. And so that's the same with learning methods at any point in your career. You you can you can bail and just try a different way. It's not no one's gonna the, the art police aren't gonna come after you. The Twitter police might, but they come after everybody eventually. So I'm really interested in methodologies. Um advice being valuable in terms of, you know, what to study or how to study and all of that. Um, but I've often found myself at various points kind of lost in the sauce in terms of like, okay, I can do this, but then what do I pair it up with? And then what do I pair that up with? And then how do I turn that into like a schedule for the week where this is what I'm doing and then this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm doing after that. And it all kind of like stacks up into this process. Somebody in chat um, asked the question. They wanted to know kind of like about what your early learning uh, methodology was like, you know, what your, what your early learning schedule was like, I think was their exact words. Uh, and I'm curious about that too. Again, understanding everybody's going to be different. Your story is not necessarily relevant for everybody, but I think that it is helpful for, you know, anytime somebody can, you know, to hear, well, what is working for somebody else? Because now that's like an example that you can use to at least like maybe start from. So, you know, going back to the early days of your artistic development you were talking about you know you were just at first you were just drawing like goku fan art and then it turned into something else like what prompted that like uh reaching for the next level and then what did that process look like in terms of what you were actually doing to then get quote good (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my situation was weird so ever since i was 13 i've worked a job under the table till I was 15. So that included during school, so after school, and then during the summer. So my schedule was always at least 50% taken. Um, So when I started learning art and I started doing it as a hobby, I didn't have a schedule at all. It was just fit it where I could fit it, Um, you know, which would be like, oh, I'm going to school, I'm doing a bit of work, and then I've got to do some homework, and then I've got some time before bed, so I'm going to sacrifice some sleep. I'm going to doodle some stuff and show it to people. Um, I did a lot of drawing in school because of that, uh, because I just didn't have time. And, you know, in the summers, you know, it's just like, well, when I'm not working, try and get, you know, an hour or two in uh, every day. But that wasn't really me scheduling it. That's just how it ended up. I didn't really schedule until I got into freelance. So I'd been drawing a good three and a half years before I really scheduled and that was because I went from learning straight into doing the work because I I was moving a lot and I couldn't get hired anywhere so I had to do art and commission stuff to make money and back then you didn't get hundreds of dollars for commissions you got ten dollars for commissions and uh so I hooked up with some businesses and just started doing that and I'm like well I need to get better so that's when I started going I need to set aside you know at least an hour or two hours a day to do this um between working, um, for having my art be the work that I did, and then uh, trying to study outside of that, it left very little time for doing what I really wanted to do, which was just having fun with the stuff that I learned. Um, and since I gave myself no days off, uh, I burnt out very quickly. Um, it was a destructive schedule. Uh, people will tell you schedules um you can always look at those and see how they fit one thing i will say that i learned from mine was that 
every single day with no breaks is worse than giving yourself breaks and letting yourself recover. Um, some people will liken it to working out muscles. You know, you don't necessarily want to do your arms every single day. You got to give them rest and they strengthen up. Some people aren't like that. For me, I'm, I'm definitely like that. And I've got colleagues, you know, I was, I was talking to my buddy, uh, uh, Neskane who works over on uh, Overwatch Cinematics. So that's a big name I can swing around. Let's name drop for a second. Um, and he's the same way. He's like, sometimes he'll, outside of work, take a month, two months off and just not draw at all outside of work. And then when they come back, they're better than they were. You know what I mean? And they're, they've got that power. you got to find what works for you. So my schedule, once I scheduled it, was too much. Um, so I never really focused specifically on learning until a good few years into my career. So I wasn't really scheduling like study sessions. And I learned right away, I don't like studies. I don't do I've, I don't do studies. Like I don't do warmups and I don't do studies. It doesn't meta benefit me. It actually wears me out and bores me very quickly. So the bicycle method was employed while doing work. So I would, I would learn on the job. Um, and that's that's kind of how I had to employ it. It was messy. It was bad. I don't recommend it. What I would say is, just you know, if you could keep the inspiration, give yourself an hour, two hours to try and learn some stuff. You know, five days a week, four days a week, and then if you're drawing on other days or on top of that, awesome. You know what I mean? But figure out what's too much for you. Try and pay attention to the signs. Um, it's very different when you're letting yourself get distracted so you can't focus versus you're really sick of something and you can't focus. So if somebody's like, I'm going to spend all day on Twitter, I'm looking at Tumblr, uh, or well, probably not Tumblr now, but you know, I mean, I'm looking at Instagram and, uh, and I'm chatting with people and I'm watching videos and whatever. And I'm also kind of drawing in between. But what you mean by that is really every hour you're getting like a few lines done or something then when time comes to study, you're probably going to be really distracted because you're used to putting your attention everywhere. So you've got to train yourself over time. Incremental change is sustainable over time is, is the way to do it, which is like, well, today I'm going to spend 10 minutes. I'm going to turn everything off and just try and focus on like absorbing this information. Next week, I'll switch it to 20 minutes. You know what I mean? And 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 create your schedule in a way where you can really identify how long am I able to focus on this and actually be engaged. Don't be afraid to take breaks. You know what I mean? Doing 20 minutes, taking 20 minutes off, doing 20 minutes on is better than 40 minutes in a row where you're only paying attention for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know if my schedule is really helpful, but ideas about scheduling can be helpful. <laughs> and uh, and I find that, that that's usually information that people don't have. They're just like, how would I do this? You know? Because sometimes people will get told, if you're not drawing every day, you're not a real artist. And I'm like, well, then there's a lot of really talented, amazing, not real artists that I'd rather work with and have worked with than some of the people who are worn down because they force themselves to do stuff every day. And now they hate art. Um, you know, so finding that balance for you is part of scheduling um, and understanding, you know, it, it's all linked together. Like I said, once you understand how you learn, then you can understand how to schedule it. Because if you're like, well, I got to do studies. That means something different depending on the type of study. But if you're like, I've got to draw 30 heads every day. So I get used to drawing heads. I will. I hate learning that way. But if you want to learn that way, then figure out how much time is reasonable for you and set that side, you know, on your schedule for X amount of days a week and keep on it. And when you're done with heads, replace it with the next thing, arms, you know, chests, booties, whatever you want. And uh, 
and go from there. But really, again, the problem with all of this is there is no absolutely best way to do it. It becomes what's best for you. So, you know, I can tell you just don't do what I did is my recommendation when I was younger and starting out, which is shove it in on top of everything every single day and and burn yourself out because it's going to make all of your life more difficult than it needs to be. Um, there's always a race to get better as fast as you can and, you know, maybe get a career in there or compete with other people. But you, it, there's there's a limit to how much that will do. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember Dave Raposo was talking about it. Here's another big name. Let's drop it. Um, he was talking about, you know, back when he did Crimson Daggers, which was a stream, you know, where he would help people. And it was an admirable, um, an admirable thing, which he believed in, you know, college learning for art should be free. You shouldn't have to shouldn't have to pay and go into debt to just get better at a skill when this information is readily available. So he's like, I'm going to do this for free. He's like me and Dan Warren, we're going to come in, give you art reviews, get whatever. I remember that they would stream art. And like they were both sick, like with the flu. And he's like, gotta keep grinding. And Dan's like, yep, gotta keep grinding. And then, you know, you look at it 10, 12 years later now, and they're like, yeah, probably shouldn't have carried that battle flag. That wasn't a healthy thing to do. It wasn't a good thing to do. Should have been promoting more of a healthy life work balance. You know, don't be one of those people who goes so long that you talk with regret in retrospect. You know, be mindful while you're doing it and think. But also maybe try not to give yourself enough excuses not to do it that you realize the the fear you have of not being able to execute when you finally draw is is becoming the real reason you're not wanting to schedule time for it. You know, um, just got to be real honest with yourself. And I think that's the toughest part of anything is is understanding you there's going to be things you're going to suck at, especially when you're learning and just go, OK, if I accept that my bike's going to look like horse for a while that's okay because that's part of learning um i think one of the biggest this is a tangential thing as you've noticed that's how i operate and live my life everything's a tangent <laughs> um i think one of the biggest destructive forces is always that you know everybody's going to show their art and they never want to show bad art so they're not going to learn the thing because if they learn it it's a vulnerable time it won't look great so they don't want to show it and then they go, well, if I can't show it, why am I doing it? So I'd rather just do the thing I know, or this is what leads people to tracing a lot of the times. I'll just trace the thing and I'll look really good. And then I'll be like, look at this thing. And everybody's like, wow, amazing. And then they won't go back and learn the thing they traced because it'll look awful compared to the thing that they trace because they, they trace the thing the way it's supposed to look. Now, if I draw a person from my head, it's just not good. So I just don't, I'm not going to do that. This will work. This is easier. This is better. That pressure keeps you from achieving a lot of goals that that fear of making something bad um but you know are you gonna learn to play the piano or are you gonna play somebody else's music you know what i mean like like you're gonna suck at the piano for a while even if you're a savant it's just gonna happen i learned the piano by ear um i didn't learn how to, to read music because i couldn't make the connection but i could replicate what i heard and i learned how to create new things that way that was my way to learn and i got quite good at the piano that way then i learned how to read music later and had to match it up but in the meantime nobody wanted to hear my music it wasn't music it was awful and uh but you know that's there's there's a lot of letters between a and z you can get rid of some of them you know what I mean? You can write words without vowels sometimes and tell what they are, but 
you know, you're going to need a lot of those letters. And that's how art is too. If your real goal is to learn and schedule and whatnot, you're going to have to be vulnerable either with yourself or other people. And that's, that is an absolute, that is a real thing that I can say there is no other path. You're going to have to be vulnerable at some point. And, and if you can make peace with that, I'd say a huge chunk of the difficulty will be lifted. And you're just going to be like, I'm learning though. I'm doing it. At least I'm doing the thing. And if people want to criticize that, screw them. <laughs> so what you just said reminded me a lot of the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect, where the less somebody knows about it, the better they feel about it, essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was looking it up, and evidently the, the peak at the very beginning is called Mount Stupid, where uh, you think you can, you can do things, and you think you're just on the cuff, but you're borrowing power, like you just said, like you're tracing or whatever whatever it is that is giving the quick shortcut, whether or not you took a tutorial on uh, how to draw a nose, right? So now you know how to draw a nose in that one perspective, right? So that's borrowed power. And if you ever try to everything else, then that borrowed power goes away and you're down in what they call the Valley of Despair, which is immediately after uh, Mount Stupid. And then after that, it's the cr slow crawl up that never ends until you die of learning how to art better. Yeah. And it's just something that I think that's where most people end up quitting art is when they jump down into the Valley of Despair or when they get tired of hanging out on Mount Stupid. Um, I know personally, when I was first uh, interested in learning art, I didn't want to show people the art I was making because I knew I was doing cheaty stuff. I'm like, I'm going to get compliments on this and I don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. So, um, You can think of it like a relationship, right? People fall in love. You fall in love with art. You're willing to compromise very easily. You'll You'll project a false part of yourself to fill in the gaps between personalities and what have you, you know, I mean, people go in and they're like, I want to be in love. Like I want to do art. This is great. You know? And I'm like, I'm going to draw the plane and, and, and at least I'm drawing the plane and that's cool. And maybe I'm tracing it, but at least it's the plane, you know? And then once you start to actually have to really relate to the person, you start to go down, that high goes away and you realize, well, maybe not everybody is literally in perfect alignment all the time. You know what I mean? And you have to really start to rebuild what it means to relate to this person. You know, when will I want time by myself or they want time by themselves? When will I, you know, and, and that's that climbing that mountain. But unlike the relationship, I mean, well, I guess suppose like the relationship, you can remove yourself off that mountain sometimes. You can actually just take yourself off that mountain that you're climbing and going, I have to get better. And I understand this and make yourself dumb again by just going, you know what? I'm not going to care how this turns out. I just want to do something stupid. And if you can remove that judgment, you can take yourself off and put yourself on a nice little cloud and then jump back on that mountain. And it makes that climb a lot easier. You're able to relax a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I, I can't keep the relationship analogy without going into like an abusive relationship. <laughs> You're like, oh, I need to go out drinking with my buddies because I can't stand my partner. But now I'm back. You know, like, no, like that's not... Uh, that's maybe my first relationship, uh, but uh, but uh, the uh, actually my first relationship was worse than that, um, and uh, and so you know you're dealing with art and and it seems like it almost becomes adversarial, like oh you know how many how many do I always have to push this rock up this mountain forever? You know what I mean is there an albatross around my neck? And it's like you don't have to be that way all the time. As you realize once you jump off Mount Stupid, get into the valley, and you start going up you're realizing how much you didn't know the depth of that despair is just people's going, well, you're always going to learn forever. There's always more, you know, the pressure, but you can just relieve that pressure and be like, yeah, but today I'm just learning how to draw an ear. That's not that much pressure. 
or tomorrow I'm not learning anything. I'm going to fall back on what I know and just draw on my safe space of what I already know and I know I'm good at or whatever. Or maybe, you know, that day just to build their own confidence. They do trace something or whatever, but they don't show anyone. And they're like, well, that looks cool. And I maybe understand it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of ways to release that pressure. Um, but it, but it, again, the best results come from when you're honest with yourself, right? So you have to be vulnerable. But I think that it's so weird to me personally, this will probably sound really unprofessional, but I'm being vulnerable. Um, I think it's really weird that people want almost to make learning a pain in the ass. Like they they really want it to be like almost to justify the pain that it does cause. You're like, well, you know, if you don't suffer for art, then what's the point? And it's like, well, sure, if you have something to express in that vein of of pain and anguish, I suppose. But I have a lot of fun with my art. I have more fun with my art now than ever after many years because the best thing I ever learned is to turn that off sometimes and just go, I'm going to draw a stupid thing or the thing nobody cares to see or draw it simply or or be crappy on purpose or whatever. And they're like, you know, or make the mistakes and not care. Like the best thing I ever learned was to be able to jump off that mountain sometimes and then jump right back on. And it makes you understand that it, it doesn't always have to be awful or this terrible struggle or a disappointment or whatever. And yeah, if I compare my art to everyone in the world, I'm never going to be the number one, but no one will be the number one. And then you'll find out a lot of the number ones weren't really doing that art themselves half the time. You know what I mean? Like they kind of, let's just say in the last two years, especially I've learned a lot of really prominent artists are just tracing and copying stuff and not really doing things themselves, but they've been selling it like they have. And I'm like, well, that matters to me, but it doesn't matter to everyone. So that's a different discussion. But if you really want to gauge honestly where you're at, it's not always the best idea to just look at what everyone else is doing. You got to look at what you want to do and just appreciate what you're doing, even if it's garbage sometimes. And that's okay. You're like, well, that's my garbage and it'll get better, you know, and I'll work on it. And, and your expression does matter. You know, it's just, it's not the hardest, the hardest goal to hit is going to be what you want something to be. Um, And then when you hit something that you want it to be, somebody's going to come along and be like, that's garbage though. And then that'll re redirect what you feel about your own thing. Cause in the back of your head, you're going to, you're going to want people to like it the way that you like it. And when they don't, it's going to affect you. Even if you think it's not, you're going to start thinking, well, maybe I should change it to, to, so that these people like it. And then when you do that, well, now these people don't like that change. It's, it's the thing you should learn when you're a very little child, which is that you cannot satisfy everybody all the time. And you probably can't satisfy yourself all the time either. So that sucks. But <laughs> once you once you accept that and you accept the vulnerability, it sucks a hell of a lot less and you just start navigating much more healthily, I, I would say. There, uh, that reminds me, there was a movie, a book that turned into a movie, uh, starring Simon Pegg uh, in the movie, obviously. Uh, <laughs> not in the book. He, uh, it was called uh, Hector in the Search for Happiness. And the very first lesson, this isn't a spoiler, um, is uh, comparisons can lead to unhappiness. And pretty much everything you just said was the crux of that, right? Yeah. But but the problem here is, going back to earlier conversation, how do you tell when you're good enough for a job or or good enough for a thing? Now, 
we're back to comparisons and you have to make those comparisons and that sucks. Um, but those can be healthy when given that context, I feel like if you're like, I want to work on Hearthstone, what is the bar for Hearthstone? You have to start figuring that out, reading that and comparing things and making choices as to how to alter what you're doing or, or hit a certain stride. And that is still a moving goalpost, even when you know what the goalpost is. Um, but, you know, then at least it's for a goal as a, uh, a, a, of a specific smaller goal rather than just get as good as this person. Right. Um, and that's, that's hard to balance against what we're talking about of like, well, no, don't worry about that all the time. And then it's like, but also worry about it. That's where it gets confusing. Um, but like I said, your intention really defines this conversation is your intention, get better at art and enjoy it. Or is it get a job in art? Cause those don't have to be inclusive of each other. They can, they can be separate. You can get really good for a job and not enjoy the art at all and not be satisfied by it, but fulfill what the client's asking of you. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll you'll see that too. See, somebody will do card art and they'll be like, man, this got approved and I hate it, but everybody else loved it. And it's like, well, it wasn't satisfying to you, but it was exactly what they wanted. And you got good enough for that specific thing. And it still doesn't even align with it's good enough for you. So it's not even satisfying, but homie, you got paid. So that's what you were after. Um, you know that it's it's such a struggle but the struggle can be lessened and you can take a break from that struggle hopefully um a lot of my life was struggling to pay bills with freelance because freelance hadn't evolved into something that could realistically support you very well unless you were a gallery artist um and watching it evolve to where it is now where you know you can draw simple you know anime figures that are quite basic and make a living wage doing it and I'm like that's that's the dream that's great you know because that takes a little pressure off of that side where like I would have had to make like 100 pictures to make where today I could make like one or two and make the same as I made for all of those and then you can hopefully focus more on finding that satisfaction while you're doing the work but you know, everything's evolving. Um, now, of course, the biggest problem is that there's so many people doing art um, that you you can get lost in it. And I don't think it's bad inherently that so many people are doing art. It just means you're more likely to get lost in the shuffle and not have a voice. And people are more likely than ever to be like, oh, well, your stuff's just a copy of this, even if it's not. You know, people people want to tear people down to lift themselves up. And now artists are doing that constantly to each other because they want to be the big shot. And a lot more people are getting into art, realizing it can make you popular. So their goal isn't to get good at it. Their goal is to make something good enough to appear good and then become popular. That's not even to get a job. Like you'll see people on social media tearing each other apart and and lying about what they've done and tracing this and copying that, claiming it as their own. And their only goal is to get popular. Like it's not get a job, it's not be better. It's it's just get that dopamine, get just, oh yeah, so good. And then you've got other people, you know, their only goal is get the job. It's not, you know, they'll give of themselves, they'll suffer, you know, whatever it takes to get it and then you've got other people who their only goal is get better and they seem very zen compared to everyone else you know they're just like oh i just want to be good i just want to be happy and then you can mix these and everything else and find you know most of the artists out there there's a quote that i heard um recently well i didn't hear it i found it and i read it with my eyes uh recently and i i, I want to print it and 
put it above my desk. I scrolled back in my Discord to find it to make sure that I got it right rather than trying to butcher some uh, version of it. Um, the quote is, people hate their own art because it looks like they made it. They think if they get better, it will stop looking like they made it. A better person made it. But there's no level of skill beyond which you stop being you. You hate the most valuable thing about your art. That's by Alicia Dons. I think it's apt at this point in the conversation from a lot of what we've been talking about, especially something that you mentioned before, um, the fear of making something bad, you know, or the fear of making something you don't like looking at. And this idea that, well, at some point I'll be good <laughs> at some point or at some point I'll be good enough even. And there's so much baked into that that I think we don't even realize like what we're actually saying when we say that, you know, like bad compared to what and good compared to what. And it all really just comes down to like what you're making and why you're making it. But that when when I read that quote, it's like it, it I don't know, it hit a, a part of me particularly and it probably resonates a lot with other people too that you know this idea of like waiting to get good this I, this also speaks to studies because people can uh you mentioned a little bit of this before too you know that people can get lost in study 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 and if i just do enough studies um then i'll be good enough to make the art that i want to make and you can end up putting off the art that you really want to make for the sake of like all these studies that you're doing because you think well you know at some point you know I'll be, yeah. I'll be good. And then I can do X, Y, or Z or whatever. I mean, but the funny thing about like familiarity, right. With your own art, you're familiar with it. You're used to seeing it. So it's mundane, you know, in a lot of ways too. It's not impressive because you've been so intimately connected to it the whole time. I mean, you can look at it even like when interpersonal relationships, when a psychologist might say, well, you know, you seem to have a lot of hate for this person and you'll list your distaste. They might also say, well, are you also hating in this person a reflection of yourself, right? Things that you see in yourself, but you don't want to associate with this person or things you see in this person that you don't like in yourself, but you won't admit it, right? Your flaws in your art or anything can be the same way. But then like, like to go to the trace thing, let's just stick on that thorn for a minute. Um, when somebody traces something and they're like, wow, I've never liked my art more. It goes to, like you said, well, it's not really theirs, right? So of course they like it. It's like, wow, this is amazing. I never was able to do this. Technically that statement should be, I'm not able to do this <laughs> um, because it's not theirs. It's a traced photo or it's a traced art or it's a traced thing. And so it creates a huge confidence boost that might be able to carry them to learn how to do that thing. Uh, so there can be a positive to it too. Um, but yeah, your relationship with your own art is so complex for so many of those reasons. And, and, and being able to remove yourself from your own art isn't really a thing, right? You can't like, you're like, I blacked out. And when I came to, whoa, like, ta -da! Um, you know, the cool thing is the art I do now and my partner Cammy does now, like we actually can make art we really like. And I've had people in the past tell me like, well, if you like your art, you've stopped learning and you're very bad. And I'm like, no, I'm still learning. I'm getting better. That's why I like it. I'm like, I actually, the picture in my head is now coming into the corporeal world and coalescing very similar to that picture in my head. And I'm like, wow, that took a lot of work. Should I not be able to celebrate the work I have put into this? And the answer I get 
a lot of the times is no, because it means you're settling and you're okay. And I'm like, no, I can enjoy something and still want to improve it. You know what I mean? I can criticize myself openly and honestly and still go, but at the end of the day, I do like that. Can I see how it improve it? Hell yeah. Am I going to? Absolutely freaking lootly. But now I'm I'm really jazzed up because I'm like, I've hit that stride. I like it. Now I want to like it even more. And and so, you know, there's a philosophy behind everything. Um, and you know, you, if you're not lying to yourself, yeah, you're probably gonna not like your art a lot of the times. But there seems to have been this stigma created about liking your art. Like you always have to apologize, like it's an ego thing. You're like, I, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I like how this turned out. And it's like, you you made it. You should be able to like it. Like, you're trying to tune this thing to be something you personally wanted it to be. Why then, once you've done that, should you apologize for doing it? Like, it seems like this weird thing. Because, oddly enough, people are, are you know, they don't want to present an ego. So you you apologize when you've done a good thing, and then we feed the egos of people who are doing bad things, and and it's really strange. Like people who are just crapping on other artists, and and when I was like, well, they're very confident and they've earned the ability to do that. And it's like, yeah, but that's also like called being a jerk. You know, maybe don't do that. But then it's like you're like, oh, I finally after years drew something I I actually kind of like. And it's like, wow, way to be like a little stuck up and egotistical. You like your own art, and you're not learning, and it's like. It feels like people are projecting their own faults onto other people because they can't remove them from their own art, you know? So they create villains outside of it so they can live with themselves as somebody who can't create a Power Ranger drawing that looks like the show, you know what I mean, without tracing it. And it's just like, I don't know, I'd rather just draw the Power Ranger from my head and have it look like how I wanted it to. And that's that's my that's my choice. On uh, Another great concept that i think is relevant here that i heard from uh nen chang uh, killer nen on uh on twitch if anybody wants to look her up um basically was uh you know talking shit on your own art is essentially the same thing as talking shit about artists that other people like to their face so anytime you're like oh you know, you're like self-deprecating about your own art this sucks and you know and you do the kind of like apologizing thing that you were just talking about you're basically talking shit about an artist that somebody else likes like right in front of them and whereas you wouldn't do that because that's super rude even if that is your opinion you wait until you're like not at that dinner party anymore to say those things or whatever keep those thoughts to yourself um the same goes if you're talking about your own art you know like have a little bit of respect because somebody likes it so have a little bit of you know respect for what they like <laughs> and kind of use that use other people's eyes as a way to kind of appreciate the the efforts that you yourself are are making yeah. i found it i and found uh, it to obviously be... go ahead go ahead oh i was just gonna say obviously that 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 can only be talked about if we're assuming that what people are saying is sincere because so many people will be self-deprecating to garner fish for compliments and they're well, that even makes it even worse full of garbage <laughs> but uh but yeah you know they're just like oh this is this and you know it's the same people who will be like they spent 45 hours on something and they're like just a little sketch you know they're they're trying to get a response from people but if we're talking about honest people who are just genuinely dissatisfied with their work yeah it's like you you've got to be mindful of the other part of that equation which is everybody else right and and you know, also understand that if you constantly tell people your work is bad, eventually you'll convince them, you know, that they'll be like, fine, 
because there's a point of exhaustion when people get tired of trying to convince you otherwise, you know? So it's not that you shouldn't think it's bad. If you think it's bad, that's just how you feel, but be mindful of how you convey that information publicly or to other people, because a lot of times people are being honest and they're saying, I, but I really like this. They're not trying to blow smoke They're They genuinely like it. And you're telling them, no, your opinion doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And, and so don't be surprised if they then stop giving you their opinion because you're, you're kind of, you can disagree but how you accept that and how you convey how you feel, that's a different path to navigate. Um, when I was learning, a lot of the times I I really hated what I was doing and I got very frustrated. I got into a feedback loop of just like copying my own art. Like I do something I thought was okay. And then I'd be so afraid of doing something else. I'd reference my old thing and just draw it again. Um, I had a character who had only three facial expressions and they always were facing the same way because I legitimately would just be like, well, this was me hitting a high watermark. And so I'd trace my own art and I was just like, you know, like, this will be good. And 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 I looked at that years later. And I'm like, I can't go on this way. This is not satisfying, you know, but I knew that I was afraid, but I also hated the art I was doing. And, you know, I, I told a, a buddy of mine, like, like, I can't stand this. And my buddy's like, oh, but you're really good. And I'm like, no, I'm a hack. You know what I mean? And he's like, well, to some degree, yes, you are. So I was like, whoa. And then it's like, no, I needed to hear that. But, but he's like, but also like what you can actually do is really great. And I was just like, no, you know, I'm, I'm garbage. And eventually he just stopped caring because I told him to stop caring. You know what I mean? I basically told him I'm garbage. And he's like, fine, then you're garbage. You win. You know, like, that's fine. And and you got to realize that that you're wearing down some of your biggest fans and some of your biggest support groups that will genuinely help you get somewhere. Um, the other side of that, of course, is people who say they're supportive and they're the people who will say, maybe you've heard this, I like to break people down and build them back up with real, honest, brutal criticism. And it's like... Um, so bullying takes a lot of forms and uh, that's one of them uh some people respond well to that but if they're so like they get a high off breaking people down they may be helping you but some of their reason for it is also they're kind of getting off on on breaking people down and that's not a, a healthy relationship in the long run so be mindful of people's intentions when they're helping you as well so i guess that's uh brings up the, the topic of critiques then um, one way that people do learn is through um, submitting their work to someone that they believe is either superior to them or on par with them that could possibly evaluate their, their work and then tell them what's right and what's wrong with it. Right. A lot of these are just, well, mostly it's focusing on what's wrong, right? So how does someone take a uh, critique well and not expose themselves to just like uh, bullying, I guess, is the... There's a few, there's a few ways. Um, I mean, we can look at, we can look at the word critique, which really is like to find flaws in something, you know, like you're, you're basically saying, I want you to, I want you to find the bad things and, and tell me why it's bad. Right. Um, that's why I intentionally use review instead of critique, not, you know, just because something says critique doesn't mean it's going to be bad. I'm just saying there's ways to, there's ways to set the stage. Right. Um, and for me, using review is more intentional towards what I'm doing than critique, because my intention is to go over it or review it, talk with the person about what their intentions were, give them my personal perspective of where they might have hit or missed that mark, and then give them 
um, options of how to proceed or examples of something they could have done or what have you. Um, but my approach is very friendly in that I go, these are options for you. This is not, oh, you should have done this. This is crap because like that's very destructive. I'm not saying that artists are fragile. Some artists are, but you need to remember that this is a person you probably don't know that well unless you're great friends and you're you're taking something personal into your hands and they're looking to you for a different perspective. And you can go about that in a very harmful way or a positive way. But if you're too positive, that's also harmful because they're looking for honesty. So how do you bridge the gap between honesty and uh, a softened delivery, right? Because to some people are like, I pride myself on being blunt and honest. And what they mean is they pride themselves on using language that's going to harm someone and getting away with it because they're saying they're being honest. Um, critique to me, um, I think people need to understand who they're going to first and foremost. Even if it's like a popular artist on, on Twitch or something like that, have some context for how they think about information and if that's relevant to what you want out of it. Are they thoughtful? Are they informative or are they just trying to force you to become a clone of themselves? Do you want to be a clone of them? You know, um, but but from my perspective, I've seen a lot of the results of people who break people down and, and get very mean about it. And I've seen people go like, no, no, I'm fine with it. And only a handful of the people who said they fine with it really were in the long run. Uh, a lot of the other people came down later and they're like, wow, you know, actually that really hurt me deeply. And I. I kind of got less interested in being good because it just seemed like I hadn't gone anywhere because this person said like, this is crap and you should know better. And da, da, da. it's like, they don't know better. That's why they're asking you. If, if they should know better, this is them trying to know better. So respect that. I think it's it's gotta be respectful both ways. This is just my opinion. You've gotta be willing to listen and honest with yourself that, hey, you know, if you're wanting to improve, don't be like the kitchen nightmares guy. You know what I mean? Where where you're like, my restaurant is failing, please help me. And then he comes in and he's like, this is garbage. And you're like, no, my restaurant's perfect. And it's like, you know, you're just like, if you're going to get your thing critiqued or reviewed, you've got to understand people are probably going to find flaws in it. That's kind of the point. And uh, you just need to be willing to also question it and validate it versus what you're looking for. Um, but don't subject yourself to somebody who's just going to be a bully like that. And uh and so a lot of the times I tell people, you know, get multiple viewpoints on it, but always have it be a viewpoint where you understand at least a little of where they're coming from, right? Because um, I used to see message boards and art boards where people would show up and they'd be like, yeah, you know, I'll give critiques, you know, I've done, and they'll show a picture and maybe they're really good, but they really are just there to to kind of boost their own ego by pointing out all the garbage that they see around them. They're like, oh, you know, that's crap. You know, I do it this way, blah, blah, blah. And it's really just their own ego boost. And if it happens to help somebody, that's cool. Um, one of the best ways to find out if somebody's going to give a good critique or review, in my opinion, is when somebody shows them their work, does that person go straight into tearing it apart or do they ask the person a question about their work first? Because if they ask them, what was your intention or what were you going for or how long did you spend on this or whatever, they're interested in bridging that gap and communicating with this person. That's a really huge plus. Same with if somebody wants to learn just in general. Like I, I, I tell people when they're like, how do I find a good mentor? Or how do I find a good class? I'm like, well, when this person first meets you in a one-on-one, -on -one, do they ask about you or do they just launch into their spiel of this is what you should be doing? Because they're, they're going to give you information, but they don't really care about you at that point. 
And I think if you're going to get a review or a critique, you have to have somebody who's willing to at least consider you as a person, not necessarily just your feelings, but just where you're coming from to understand it. Because I had somebody years ago look at my work and they're like, oh, this isn't good. You should draw like Batman, the animated series. And that's what they told me. And I was like, wow, you're kind of a dick, but that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, like that's your opinion of what good art is, but that's not reviewing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? You're not even asking what my intention is. That's suggesting that all art in the world should look like Batman, the animated series, because it's your favorite thing. Um, you know, so so that's some some thoughts on that. I don't know if I really answered that question. I'm so sorry. No, that was, that was great. Um, I think it uh, also points on uh, another topic I want to bring up, which was uh, everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about, right? Yeah. So when you are giving a critique or I guess receiving a critique as well, uh, the person receiving a critique, they could be having like the worst day of their life, but they actually need to know some things that are wrong with it. But if you're, your intent in there is to, as the reviewer, is to um, make them feel so bad about the piece that they are extra motivated to go forward and learn more and do better next time, you might be doing quite the opposite. I've seen people that uh, uh, friends have given critiques to, and it was all well and good, but afterwards that artist is like uh, incapable of even putting pen to paper. They'll just be, uh, I've seen them go on stream and then start uh, you know, drawing the head and be like, ah, this looks like crap. I think I'm just done. Right. So you can bash the art out of somebody. Everybody's different though. Right. So some people will respond as the spring and bounce back and other people will be the, uh, the, the rock that's hammered into the ground. And you don't know who is who or what's their current situation. So just kind of have to uh, be sensitive to it when you're as a reviewer. But as the reviewee, I don't know exactly how uh, to give blanket uh, advice on how to accept uh, super harsh criticism if it's uh, being leveled out by somebody who is malicious. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the best goal there is just avoid somebody who's malicious. <laughs> and and the, way to, the way to find if they're malicious is to pay a little bit of attention before you put yourself in front of them right i mean um to go back to uh to let's go to dave raposa and, and daniel warren both very talented uh, one far more popular than the other but honestly i think they're both about equal as far as their ability goes they would give reviews independently or together but one of the things that they did that i really appreciated always was besides asking context they'd give context for what they were trying to do and kind of be like this is a suggestion, but they would point out the things that work. They'd be like, well, this was successful. And then not just say, well, this looks good and that looks good, but go like, this is good because of this reason. This is good in my perspective because it's considered this and this. And if you think about thing, then thing, thing, thing. Like in, in, the, in the industry, you'll, you'll hear the compliment sandwich a lot, which is like, oh, that's good. Fix, 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 fix but it's really good and it's very insincere because it's it's meant to soften feelings. That's why people are people in management will say like, be sure to use the compliment sandwich, which is basically saying, be sure to bullshit somebody. Oh, sorry, are we allowed to cuss on here? <laughs> um, be, be sure to, to, to kind of lie to somebody about the things that you like to soften the blow of the things you want them to change. My opinion is genuinely point out things you like don't point out things that are good if you don't think they're good, but don't just say things are bad and give no context because the goal is not to say this is bad. The goal is to go, this may not be working and here's why so you could avoid it or here's how you could fix it so you have an avenue to go from here because it's kind of like telling someone, you don't know how to draw people and then walking away. And it's like, 
okay, all I've learned is what I'm doing isn't successful, but now I have no direction to go. And if they're coming to you for information, they are looking for a direction to go, like anything. Even if it's a suggestion, like I said earlier, I'll give you lots of suggestions, but you may not agree with them, but at least it's a, a something to consider. You know, some kind of conversation is happening. And I do believe a critique is a conversation. Um, a lot of it's visual, but it still should be some form of discussion. So when I give a art review, I will ask the intention. I'll ask some questions, be like this. You know, sometimes they don't give me enough information, you know, oh, this looks like there was some photo in here. Is this a photo bash or not? And they'll tell me and I'll be like, okay, because I don't want to be like, you know, this is weird when they're like, oh, well, I pulled that from here and it's meant to look that way. And I'd be like, okay, then cool, succeeded. Um, but I'll I'll go over what I think is working and why and what I think may not be and why and kind of play through that scenario and, and give that context. So it's not a sandwich. I'm not supposed to go like, oh, wow, thanks for sharing. This looks really great. Tear it apart, you know, but good job. Like, that's not sincere. Nobody wants, you know, maybe some people want to hear it, even if it's true or not, but I'd rather give real compliments. And, you know, I reviewed, I, I had the most stressful art review of my entire life. Somebody who had only been drawing for four days. And I find art reviews stressful to give because I'm invested. I don't want to be the person who somebody looks back on and is like, well, I quit drawing because they were a dick. You know what I mean? And I've, I've met a lot of those people. Um, and not that thought I was that. Well, they probably, if there's someone out there, they haven't told me yet. But, um, <laughs> You know, but at the same time, I need to be honest. And I was just like, okay, let's jump into it. And it was a lot of asking what you're trying to do, what are you trying to, and I, I was able to find things they were successful at, you know, and be like, here's why, and here's how you could plus this, and here's where we could go, and here's what's not working and why. And I see, you know, based off how you've only just begun, these are things I would recommend considering, but maybe not employing yet. And and it was exciting. And they've they've been they've gotten so much better since then, not necessarily because of me, but I was still find finding a way to relate and make it useful, even though, quite frankly, my normal advice and industry advice just doesn't apply to them. They've been drawing for four days. They had never doodled before. They were just like, I'm gonna change my life. This is what I'm gonna start doing. And uh if you can do that. You know what I mean? Then, then you can probably, you can probably get through most critiques as long as you have enough knowledge to offer. The other side I see though is people will give critiques when they don't really know much themselves, and that advice can can work. But they'll start to suggest they know something to feel like they're they're smart. I think when you're giving a critique, and I've had to do this before too, just admit if you don't know something or you're not sure because otherwise you're falsely representing information as fact or, you know, a good direction. The, the best people I've ever worked with at any level have always been willing to admit what they don't know as much as they do, because I think real confidence is not having to put on airs. You know what I mean? Real confidence is understanding everybody has something to learn, you know? Um, and it's hard to go like, yeah, people are coming to me. I'm important, but I also don't know this thing. Oh, and it's like, well, are you in this to be important and smart to other people or are you in this to actually help people? And if your answer is not, I want to help somebody, then maybe don't review art. It's funny that you brought up the reference sandwich because at some point before you uh, started that section, I was going to be like, you know what I've always found to be a useful way of approaching this is with this thing called the reference or uh, not the reference sandwich, the compliment sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> But the key in that is uh, the sincerity, 
you know, my idea of it has always included some amount of sincerity. And uh, it sounds like, you know, from what you were saying that it's, it's proposed as a insincere tool, which is bullshit. Um, you can't just, you can't just be like, good job. You know, there has to be some, you like, you need to actually identify something in the work that is legitimately, uh, working or, you know, that you, that you do like, um, I, I, I would still hold that. I think that it is a valuable way to just to line things up in terms of like, like you were saying, you know, like get input from the person, talk about it, get an idea of their perspective, what they were trying to go for, then dive into it. And then, you know, kind of like wrap it up nicely with some direction and some encouragement, you know, just like something like positive to be like, Hey, it's great in these ways. And this is where you're like, it's really working and blah, blah, blah. Um, Oh, we can try that real quick as an example, right? We can say, uh, Joby, uh, that was a great question you asked because it started with, uh, words that were in English and we understood them. Uh, it was bad because we, there was no actual question in there and, uh, we don't know where to go from here, but keep trying. Maybe next time you'll get it. Wow. That was, that was almost like, that was more like Neapolitan ice cream of, rather than a sandwich because that last piece of bread wasn't even really a compliment it was just like a pseudo encouraging statement well he came up he came up with he came up with that too fast for me to believe that that was just on the fly too i feel like that's been marinating for a little while jay your uh, response to me wasn't in a compliment sandwich either so now this is all ruined well i don't do the compliment sandwich man I've I've eaten enough of those. I don't need any more. I've I've developed a t- distaste. But I, I do agree though that the compliment sandwich has a use. It's it's a format for people who can't format for themselves how they want to deliver that information, right? And it's a reminder of don't just focus on the negative. That's kind of like right. The intention is don't just be negative. And here's a format. And also it's suggesting maybe start and end on a positive so you don't make them feel like garbage. But like you said, the sincerity is the thing. And I've seen far more insincere compliment sandwiches where it's really kind of like management going, hey, get them to do the thing you need them to do, but you know, convince them by telling them they're really good. And it's like, no, I'd rather work with people who actually think the things they say. So you know, if you have nothing nice to say to me, don't sandwich it in bull crap. But yeah, like the, the, the validity definitely matters on who's wielding this sandwich but to me i'd rather rather than work with a format for me i'd rather just have people just going like tell me tell tell me what you think and if they have never have anything good to say then i won't ask them again because at that point you know they're not really being constructive and that's the thing that you hear is constructive criticism right the intention is that you're breaking it down and saying what you don't like but in a way that they can then construct off of it and build it and make it better and it's creating rather than just destroying um so you know that's the biggest consideration i think really the broad stroke is don't lie don't bullcrap people but also don't just tear it down without context or or a positivity in your intention because then you're really just kind of the villain of that story right you're you're the person that's coming along and you're just hurting them and going ha 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 you are bad and i know this because i am not bad and goodbye and then you know you just, yeah you just take off on your steam engine of evil so the question moose that i was leading up to <laughs> was is there bad feedback 
Um, and I don't mean just in like the hostile or aggressive sort of way, which I, obviously there is. And we've been talking about that, but like just not well-informed or is all input valuable in some way. Good, Good night. No. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you know, the, it, it really depends on if you can tell if someone's lying to you, I think, you know, it, let's assume in this case we know that someone's being sincere then almost anything could be valuable to you someone could really just tell you those trees look bad and that's all they say it's just negative but you're like i needed to know how these trees were hitting and somebody that i trust says they look bad they didn't tell me how to fix it they didn't say anything else looked good but that's still useful information so yeah i'd say more often than not any version of critique can be positive but a lot of a certain type of critique could be more positive or very destructive, right? And that, again, depends on who's giving it and who's receiving it. So, like, going back to the compliment sandwich, right? Like, I know I've eaten a lot of compliment sandwiches that were insincere because I understood the intention of the person. And also, you can sometimes tell from the way that they say it. But other times, you know, it's an unknown, right? You're not sure. And you want to hope and give the benefit of the doubt that it is sincere. But it comes with an assumption. So that's why I said having context with who you're dealing with is really important when it comes to art critiques and reviews, because if you're just like, I've never spoken to this person ever before in my life, and I don't know anything about them, but they're giving me a review, that that could be dangerous. You don't know what you're getting into. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, almost any type of critique could be positive if you want to play devil's advocate on that you could lie to somebody and tell them what they what you believe they need to hear you know what i mean and then now we're puppet mastering somebody into getting better you know what i mean oh you know i told them it was good so they'd keep doing art but it's actually bad you know or or something else like that but the, the question is you know is their intention still good or again are they just trying to be a cool person and do they actually really enjoy sadistic behavior you know it's like machiavellian person who's decided that their job is to break down artists so they don't get egos but it's actually really that they have an ego of their own that they're feeding you know so what about if uh there's a peer group and these people are all relatively inexperienced uh is this a beneficial environment for them to be learning in well providing information back and forth to each other, or should they be seeking, uh, I want to say higher power as a joke, but more likely just a, um, a more experienced artist? In my opinion, people who don't know what they're doing can thrive amongst each other. Um, there will be points where, you know, collectively you just won't know something, and that that's not really going to help. You could collectively band together to try and solve for X and actually arrive at the right num number, and, and that would be great. Um, that's the environment I grew up in. None of us knew what we were doing. The benefit of that was without somebody telling us what we should do, everything was a legitimate option. So some of the artists I grew up with now are huge industry people. You know what I mean? Um, and we're everywhere. I'm I'm an art lead at Blizzard. Rose is doing comic book cover art in a new style. Tyson redesigned Sonic for the Sonic movie. Like we all went in different directions and were hugely successful, but none of us had anyone telling us what the right way was or helping us learn when we were kids. We just hung out and role played in a text chat together and drew dumb stuff and started getting better because 
quite frankly, if you do enough art, you can't help but get better in some way, or at least refine towards what you're you're looking for. So I think that, yeah, a peer group and that could be hugely positive for each other. And it has a benefit that you don't get when you do have a mentor around or whatever, which is they don't feel that they have to necessarily prove something to somebody they see as better than them. And that frees you to be more vulnerable because you're all vulnerable. I um, When I lived in Oregon, I hung out with a friend's group that ended up being rather toxic. And one of the things they did that I didn't like was they had an art group. I liked the art group. That's not what I didn't like. What I didn't like was eventually they stopped inviting me because they told me later they hated the fact that I was there and I was really good. That was the reason. They're like, we don't want to draw around you because you're really good. And I was pissed because I was a young guy and I was just like, well, screw you. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't want to draw around you because you're a dick. <laughs> and I was just like, I didn't understand it, but, you know, thinking back on it a few years later, I was like, well, maybe I wouldn't have gone about it that way or said it that way, but it was intimidating to them. They couldn't be vulnerable in front of somebody they felt was their superior. I didn't care. And I was not judging them. I didn't go into that group going, I think I'm the best artist. I think I'm the best. I'm the best artist here. You know, I wasn't doing that. I, I was just like, I want to have fun and draw around my friends and not care if it's good or not. They cared very much if it was good when I was around and they didn't when I was gone. So that's that peer group sometimes, you know, I mean, that's the effect it can have. They weren't necessarily being dicks because they felt that way. They were being dicks because of how they acted upon it. But but it's a very real thing that sometimes that can hold people back. So I think there's benefits to all of that and knowing when you want what situation is healthy. So I hope that answered that question. Um, I have a question, but it's sort of like by way of presenting an opinion. And I guess the question is, well, tell me what you think. Sure. <laughs> um, I, I hold this opinion that uh, feedback, that's, that's the kind of the word that I like as opposed to critique. Um, feedback is well, not everything, but it's huge. It is like almost as much as any other learn part of the learning process. Like having that is mu is a must have. Um, I guess your thoughts on 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 that I'd be interested in, and uh, but also like, why do you think that people uh, don't? seek it out enough you know like that seems it seems that people don't take advantage of it as often as they could sometimes um i think i think feedback is one of the most powerful tools at anybody's disposal to learn because it covers anything right you get feedback on anything um does this look like a bike is the perspective right on this you know should i be an artist <laughs> but uh but it it it, it really feels like the reason people don't like feedback a lot of times is because it's scary. Nobody wants to be told they're not doing a good job. And saying that something needs to be improved or fixed is intimidating, even if it's true and you know it's true. And so, you know, sometimes people don't want it or don't respond well to it because it, it's damaging to the ego, no matter how little your ego may be. It's, it's scary to go, I spent 45 hours on this thing and your feedback is, well, you should improve this or this didn't work or this doesn't look like a bike or that tree is 
garbage. You know what I mean? And that's why a lot of times, you know, people are like, look, be mindful of how you deliver your feedback because you need to respect the amount of effort and time that somebody put into something. Even if it was only five minutes, it's still like, yeah, but that's five minutes of your time. You could have been doing anything. And, uh, you know, so, so I, I agree that feedback absolutely is a huge thing, but so is knowing not to get feedback sometimes and just be like, I'm, this one's for me. You know what I mean? Or this won't help me as much. It'll hurt me today. And that's okay. I think, I think that, you know, the, the feeling that I get from social media, especially is like, well, if you're not willing to get feedback, mm, you're not going to be a good artist. And it's like, well, it depends on the day, depends on the time, depends on the person, depends on the situation, et cetera, so on. Um, real, realistically, you know, if you're going to get feedback, it's, it's probably going to be positive if it comes from a, a good source. And it's going to help you because how else are you going to get a perspective outside of your own head? Your art is your interpretation, but how are you ever going to know how that hits anybody else? How are you ever going to know if you're, especially if you're somebody who really wants to put a feeling into your, your art and you're like, this is supposed to represent despair. And then you find out everybody who looks at it just thinks of McDonald's. And to me, McDonald's is despair, but to someone else, it's a good time. You know what I mean? And that's great. And, so you you know just even the feeling that you're getting across or how these colors are or or whatever i knew somebody who didn't know they were colorblind until they started to paint and somebody was like what's going on here and then they they realized and you know tested later and they were super colorblind um and uh you know i i i think it's very healthy the difficulty is the balance of when you are going to get feedback and how much and how often because it's also destructive to have that pressure of everything I draw goes through the feedback process. You know, I mean, I've worked with professionals who have been in the industry, games industry, for a lot of years, and they're still intimidated every time they need to get their art approved because it's feedback time. You know what I mean? And nobody wants a group of, like, say, 20 people giving feedback because now it's it's mostly just opinion, right? It's like, oh, well, I think green would be good. Well, I think purple would be good. This should have been black and white. I think a pattern like plaid would be better. You know, oh, I think we should have done it like so-and-so. Oh, I think it's perfect. I think it will never be perfect, you know. And, and so, you know, is the group the problem? Is the feedback the problem? Is the art the problem? You know, so... It's powerful tool, but it's a very chaotic tool. Um, so again, that goes into how do you learn? What do you prefer and dialing that in? When I work with people and I give feedback at work, I'll just give you a tangential con uh, uh, context for it. I am always first thinking of, okay, well, what was the assignment, right? Um, make a UI frame for this and make it out of wood, you know, and paint it so that it looks cool. Okay. So our intention was to frame a thing in an interesting way. Okay. What was their intention when they did it? Okay. I've talked to them. I've asked them. Okay. And then first off quality control, does this match up to our quality bar that we had? That's determined relative to everything we've done so far and our established art pillars. Okay. It does. Then it's just opinion. Now it's, now it's, I'm the gatekeeper on does this look right? Or were their ideas right? And at that point, I've got a bank on, they've been doing this for a long time. I want people to have agency within the job. So even if I disagree, it's more like, is this my opinion and a nice to have, or is this affecting the project? And if it's not, I'm probably going to sign off on it and be like, cool. Even if I slightly, you know, or I'll bring up and I'll be like, well, I was thinking this, what do you think? 
But even then, it's thoughtful feedback. It's understanding where they're coming from. It's respecting what they're trying to do and what they know. I feel that when artists are starting out, people don't necessarily want to respect them. They look at them like they're lesser in some way. And sure, to a job or a position, they're, they're lesser in that they can't do that job yet, so don't that you won't be hired. But as an artist, there's still someone trying to learn, putting time into it, and having a viewpoint and so I try to give feedback as thoughtfully then as I would with somebody that I worked with. Um, and I try to still also respect what they know or what they've tried to do rather than just simply go, oh, you don't know anything. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you what to think, you know. Uh, that reminds me of um, a GDC video I watched. I think I sent this one to you as well. Um, and I probably mentioned it on the podcast before because I liked it. And it's one of the few videos I remember everything to. Um, <laughs> they mentioned that uh, when someone's uh, showing someone their work, it's for one of three reasons. It's either just a, as a progress report saying it's done. They're looking for uh, positive feedback, a pat on the back saying, hey, we're really proud of this. We want to, uh, we want support. You know, so like, do you like this? Say yes. And send me, tell me how much you liked it. Um, and the third one is to get constructive criticism so that it can be better. Yeah. And you have to know the intent of the person that as they're giving it to you, why they're showing it to you. Otherwise, you can be giving them the wrong type of feedback or any feedback when they're not looking for any. Yeah, and uh, and I feel that sometimes people gatekeep people's ability to not get feedback, which is a weird thing to say, but it really is. Um, we have something at, at my job that um, has been termed posting for visibility. What it means is no one's going to get feedback on it. We're just showing you what's been done. So you can either get inspired by it or know where the project is heading and play off of it or just whatever. It's informative. The idea is not... Everything's been determined. This is what it is in the place that it is, and that's going to be it. And I, I fought for that, and other people fought for that, because I, I realized sometimes people just wouldn't show people what's going on, because they were like, you won't get the context of what I'm trying to do, and then you'll try and redirect it. So in this way, even if you don't have the context, they don't feel bad. You know what I mean? They're, they're like, you, you know... Because like if I'm half done with a painting and I know what it's going to look like and I show it to somebody, there's probably going to be somebody who's going to be like, ah, it looks unfinished. It's like, yeah, because it's unfinished, bro. Um, but yeah, giving that context is really important. And I've had people who, who I've worked with who are just like, I don't really want feedback, but tell me if you like this, like you're talking about. And it's like, that's okay to do. Like, it's okay to do that. If it's a problem, then we'll have a discussion about you need to maybe get feedback a little bit more. But I, I believe in giving people that freedom. And that creates a flexibility in the feedback process while you're learning and while you're a very junior artist as well, where you're just like, okay, I can feel confident and show this to somebody and simply just cut off the feedback. I don't want you to go to town. Just tell me, does this tree look okay? Yes or no? No? Okay, that's fine. I'm just gonna, I don't even want your ideas. I'm just going to change it. I've got ideas already. Or yes? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Move on. And and so, you know, the flavors of feedback like that like you're bringing up is is very important. Um and I wish honestly more people were open to that um because for some reason it's just, you know, it's those bumper sticker bits of advice that people will give on like Twitter. And I, and I usually has the clapping hands with it. You know what I mean? Like do this thing. And it's like, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not, but to universally say, you know, always take feedback from anyone is like, that's not really contextually true. And so, you know, I, I don't like that because it's created this fear for people where they're just like, well, I'm just not going to show someone I did anything at all. And then they, 
they suffer because they can't just ask somebody, well, do you like this or no? And that's good enough because they're being told, well, you're a bad artist and you don't take feedback good. It, it reminds me of the old DeviantArt days where people were very childish about it. They still are, but less so. People are way more positive on that site than they used to be. Where someone would go, I win in their head if they were to ever give someone a critique. Because if that person disagreed, they're like, oh, well, you don't take criticism well. And it's just like, okay, that's possible, but there's no way that's always true. And I ran into that once where I was, I did a portrait of a friend. I looked at a photo and I'm like, I'm gonna paint the photo. I'm looking at the photo here and I'm painting it here. And they were, and, and it was a, my friend with his fist up and you can actually kind of see it on the camera. The fist looks very small because it's back here. And my head looks very large. I look weirdly disproportionate, but that's what the photo looked like. And that's what I painted. And I, and they were like, well, the fist looks very small and the arm looks odd. And I was like, well, yeah, because it was from a photo and I painted it from the photo and that's how it looks. And they were like, well, it, it's wrong. And I was like, um, well, in this context, it's not. And they're like, you don't take criticism. Well, <laughs> guess it you're not a, a good lot. artist. That happens <laughs> a lot on uh, Reddit threads to this day. When someone will yeah. post like the D and D character they did as a commission, and then somebody will be like, "Yeah, but her boobs look wrong, though." <laughs> and then, and then it's like, is it wrong? Is it an opinion that it's wrong, or is it like somebody traced a photo and it's literally right? You know what I mean? Like you couldn't argue with that because they they literally that's what it looks like, and uh, and you know it it becomes a discussion that somebody railed on me with their buddy on Reddit about. Um, like character proportions I did on Hearthstone. They didn't like that I gave like big mitts to the girls. And I was like, well, there's no right answer to this. It's just opinion. I did it on purpose. I knew I was doing it. So it's intentional. They didn't like it. And they're like, this guy's a terrible artist. And I'm like, well, I disagree with a terrible artist, but I agree that you don't like it and that's okay. And in the context of what it was for, it's correct. But in the context of if they were the client, it's horrifically wrong. And that's okay, but in no context does me disagreeing with them think mean I can't take feedback. What they mean to say is, I'm really throwing a tantrum and I'm angry because you won't agree with my feedback. And that's what they mean to say. So I could just retype that for them, and that would be fine. <laughs> I'm sure they'd love that. Yeah, I, I think I have, a, I have a real good feeling there's a, a, a blossoming friendship between them and myself. Uh, one thing that I've encountered you probably have too uh, with people asking for critique or presenting their art for I don't know any type of review. Um, you know they'll they'll receive some input even if it's you know uh, well intentioned and well presented, uh, and their response will be, "Well, that's just my style." Uh, mm -hmm. Well, without front loading it too much, what what's your response to that comment? Oh, I, I, I've got the same kind of response that was probably obnoxious right now. That, that depends on the person because I'll give you, I'll give you examples so that I don't just say that depends, that depends. Um, some, in some places it is their style, the intended style for the project. Let's look at Akira Toriyama and Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball original or, or Dr. Slump or anything he's ever really done where he has a very intentional style. He limits the way that certain faces look, he, he, you know, stylizes and his style is to have kind of simplified um, body shapes and uniform 
faces and eyes and whatnot. And for some reason, people suggest he can't draw anything else. And I'm like, if you look at the body of work of this guy, you can tell it's very intentional. <laughs> like he could draw other things. Like you, you can, if you ever watched it, just like, I'm going to just draw a car now. Like, and you, and you look at his characters and you're like, oh, he couldn't possibly draw another eye shape. I am very smart. You know, it's like, no, that's probably not true, is it? So in that case, if Akira Toriyama was like, well, that's just my style, I'm inclined to believe him because he's kind of proven through his body of work that there's a choice here. Um, it's an active choice. Now, um, when we're talking about somebody where I think the normal context we hear is somebody's getting feedback they don't like and they go, that's my style. And somebody's like, well, you need to learn anatomy. And they're like, that's just my style. It looks like a noodle. Um, then the question is, what is the artist's intention, right? Was there intention to create a body that looks like a normal human body? Or was it to create a, a rubber, rubber hose noodly person? And then it might be their style, but a lot of times people do hide behind that. And in, in a way, it feels almost like a struggle that they're trying to say is like, this is the limitations of my ability and thus has defined my style, which is to say, this is what I can do and how I can do it. So this is what I am doing. So if their intention is to then continue that, then it is really their style. They've actively decided, I'm not going to learn anatomy. I don't need to use it. It's okay. So, you know, but that doesn't make people comfortable because what you have usually is a clash between somebody who's giving feedback and is like, well, I am correct. This is how a body does not look. And that's probably true. And then the person's intentions where they're like, well, I didn't ask for this feedback because usually that feedback is, is, is it's them defending against feedback they didn't even ask for. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, and uh, and they're they're just going like this, this is what I can do, and this is therefore my intention with this because I don't even want to draw a body. You know what I mean? If if Akira Toriyama wanted to draw, you know, a very realistic human eye, he'd probably do it, man. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> at this point, you know, if he wanted to draw a dragon that didn't look like a a long a, you know, Eastern dragon stylized in cartoon or a big bellied kind of muscle cartoon character, then he'd probably draw the real thing because I bet you he could do it. Um, so I feel like there's some communication that isn't happening usually when I see this. Um, it is probably not healthy to just say it's my style if your intention is to do it more realistically. It's okay to admit fault and go, look, I'm currently unable to do this, but this is where I landed. But most people won't accept that because a lot of times, and now we get to go to the new chapter, chapter seven, unsolicited feedback. Boom. Title card, block lettering, very simple, <laughs> nice aesthetic, covers my face. That's always better. Um, you've got people who are honestly looking at kind of claiming other artists by going like, well, no one else will say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to give you feedback. Unsolicited feedback is sometimes useful, but what people don't realize is it's kind of an attack, uh, whether you intend it to be or not. You're coming out of nowhere and going, not do you want to hear what I have to say, but simply going, my opinion on your work is important enough that I will give it to you and you should understand it, take it, accept it, and perform it. Um, that's not a cool thing to do. That'd be basically the same as me walking down the street, seeing somebody who's got like a, 
camouflage pants, a plain shirt, and then a patterned coat and go, man, that patterned coat doesn't match with those pants. What you should be doing is actually just chilling out or darkening the color of the coat to complement the pattern of the pants and the color of the shirt. Anyway, have a nice day, bro. And they're going to be like, what the fuck? With, who the hell was that? Like, why are you telling me? But man, I like this coat. And it is, it's half the time it's opinion anyways. You know what I mean? So people don't see it that way. They go, but, well, artists need help. And I today am the person who's going to help them. The bottom line is, and I do believe this to be a pretty hard line arena uh, of thought, you just simply, if you're going to get feedback, you should ask if they want it. And if they say no, don't go, well, you're going to be a bad artist or lash out because that's your frustration, almost throwing a tantrum in their face. If they don't want it, don't give it to them. Oh, they're not going to get better because they're not taking it. Cool. That's their choice. We're, we're people. We're allowed to have choices. Um, and I really feel strongly that that people enforcing their artistic opinion on each other is 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 an assault and they don't see it that way. That speaks a little bit to uh, something that I wanted to ask you about. Um, was this balance that we have to strike between just like getting okay and comfortable with the fact that, you know, our art isn't going to be as good as what, whoever insert artist name that you worship or admire, uh, and the recognition that you want to improve and being honest about what you, what your weaknesses are. Do you have, thoughts or input you know advice for for people on how to approach that that balancing act the balance between what your intentions are and what you're capable of doing specifically yeah or or i guess like what your um aspirations are your your yeah that's just how we learn you know what i mean <laughs> like that's just it's bridging the gap between where you are and where you want to be and how best to do that, which is actually just what we kind of started talking about, I think, right? Which is how can you learn how you learn? How can you balance that? How can you create a healthy relationship with what you're trying to do that you could see yourself doing it 20 years from now? Um, because I think, I think accepting it's not going to look how you want it to look is fine to a degree because you need to make peace with the fact that you know, it may not always be perfect, just like cooking, right? I mean, my pork chop might not be absolutely perfect, but sometimes it can come out perfect. And as you do it, it's going to get better. But art is, like you said, it's subjective and it's even subjective. It's subjective to the person who's making it. So it's like, I don't know, it's tragic in a way, right? It's sad because you're like, I'm going to spend all this time and I'm trying to express myself. And I really just want to Maybe you're just like, I want to draw a butt that looks really good. Or you're like, I want to draw this amazing forest and express how I feel about nature. Or I want to make a political statement, but it needs to be in a certain aesthetic, you know. And you don't hit that, and you don't hit that, and you don't hit that. And it's just like, it's sad. I, it's sad sometimes. It's sad to see that. And it's like, how do you stave that sorrow off and replace it with the joy of creation? And it's so different to everybody. And all I really know and understand is how it's worked for me personally and then just how other people have told me. And that relationship of what you what you see in your head and what you see on the page um, is so intimidating that more people than those who continue to do it, they stop doing it, right? They just give up. They're like, well, this isn't going to be worth this isn't going to be worth the effort. 
to to get to where I need to be. And a lot of times that's destroyed by like, say, the existence of Kim Jong-gi or whatever. Um, is that his name? The guy who who basically I think is slightly altered from an average person to where his memory is incredibly to the point where he can see what he's doing and and just is able to replicate it. It's a skill, certainly, but people see that and they're just like, well, I'll never be able to do that. You know, I'll never be able to do the best thing. So, and here I am, I can't even draw my character looking up. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, this is up. And uh, I remember like the guy who draws Penny Arcade, um, gosh, was it Mike Krahulik or whatever, the, the Gabe from Gabe and Tycho of Penny Arcade once, couldn't draw his character looking up. And I will tell you, I was a spiteful person because that guy had done and said some things I didn't appreciate. So I was kind of like ready to hate on him. And and my buddy was like, yeah, he can't draw his character looking up. He had to ask people on his forum how to draw his own character looking up. And I was like, ha, 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 that guy, he's bad at art. Ha, ha, ha. And then like later, I'm like, whether I like him or not, that was pretty mean. You know what I mean? It's like. He admitted that he didn't know how to do something, asked for help, received help, and could have learned something. That's literally what I'm talking about today. You know what I mean? Being vulnerable, understanding that at any point you can admit what you don't know. And, you know, I was like, well, he's probably got a pretty good relationship between where he wants to go and where he is then because he understands that, you know, sometimes you can't get there alone. That's a good asset. You know, feedback matters. That's a good asset knowing you know when to say you don't understand it that's a good asset so i'm way off the rails on this question because i don't really know how to answer it the fact is it's like it's such a wild gap most of the times between what somebody wants to do and what they perform a lot of the times satisfaction with art feels more like not really settling but accepting that well this is how my interpretation of this is going as opposed to this was what I really wanted to do. Because a lot of the times you'll hear people go, well, I really want to draw like so-and-so. And then they'll draw how they draw. And you'll look at the two and you'll be like, I see the inspiration, but they're very different. So which do you like more? Sometimes they'll like their own, but most of the time they'll like the other person's. And uh, and so they've made peace with you know not being able to execute exactly on what they wanted to do. But, you know, a lot of it's the grass is greener anyways, you know, even if they could do that person's, then they'd be like, well, I did it, though, like you said, you know, and then it's like, now it's not as cool because I can do it. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I meandered on that one. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, you know, I, I take some responsibility with some of these questions because I, I feel like a big if I was a maybe a better interviewer, you know, asking these questions in a more tangible sort of way I, they're hard, you know some of these questions get hard to ask because it's like you know that this thing happens but how do you kind of like frame it in a way that's like okay now we can talk about it because it's like it's elusive like you said that's you, you don't know how to answer the question that's not a shortcoming of yours it's just like kind of this bizarre thing that like we know exists it's it's like irony you know like i i know it when i see it but how many people can really define it <laughs> you know yeah but that's that's cool though because it's a discussion this way it's natural you know what i mean it's it's really an exploration of the, the the issue is that a lot of art kind of overlaps with philosophy you know what i mean and and it's really just perception and interpreting that information and trying to take the world around you and make it make sense so we're like well 
you know, what does this word really mean? What does this art really mean? What does learning really mean? And and so, you know, even if we don't have an answer, I don't think that that's a shortcoming of you as an interviewer or even me as somebody who's discussing it with you. It's just the fact that it's it's so all over the place. We're trying to make sense of something or trying to find something to grab onto that, that like you said, sometimes it's it's not really, it's more ethereal than anything. Um, and, and, and when we're talking about just, even just art, like what is art, like that question, right? You know, it's so elusive because it really is something different to almost every single person on the planet. You know what I mean? And and somebody's being born right now that when they're able to answer that question, will answer it differently than anybody else has. And and you go on and you go on. So, you know, I, I think that honesty and intention is the biggest part of art. And from there, it just gets more and more complex. Um, and and that doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but I found that the more honest someone is with themselves as they're doing art and they move forward, the more they're able to answer that question for themselves of how do they bridge that gap between what they want to do and what they're doing and 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 enjoy it. That's, I think, an awesome place to start going into a wrap-up. Uh, Moose, did you have anything outstanding that, that you wanted to yeah. follow up with? Real quick, um, I want to want to pose this as an option, and you can decline if you want, Jay, or you don't want rather. Uh, we can put sixty seconds on the clock. We can then ask you to, in those sixty seconds, give a quick summary of uh, your advice to a novice artist that's just starting out. Sixty seconds on the clock, if that's cool. Uh, sure. All I'm going to think about is how there's sixty seconds on the clock. But yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Uh, so if you're just starting out with art, my personal opinion is always remember what your intention is and be honest about that and be okay and open to that intention changing at any time. If your intention is joy, remember that joy was always the goal, no matter how difficult it gets or how hard it is to make money with what you're doing. If your intention is otherwise, it still kind of applies. Remember why you got into it. Don't let people push you out of your comfort zone so excessively that you become somebody you're not. Don't let people force your work to be something you don't want it to be and understand how much sacrifice you are or are not willing to give at any given time. I believe that people more often than not forget why they got into something later in life. So if you're starting out right now and it's because you love art, just find a way to hold on to that love above anything and everything else because it loses all meaning down the line if you don't. And if that sounds too intimidating because you're starting out and we're talking to a novice artist, I'll just say, hey, have a good time. I've I've done art for so much. That's the best lesson I ever learned. The end. Whoa, man, that's going to be a lot of clapping hand emotes for me to put in an insert when, uh, when I uh, translate that into a Twitter post. Um, but that was <laughs> fucking awesome in seriousness, though. Kudos, man. You hit that like right at a minute exactly. I was thinking yeah. about how it was 60 seconds the whole time I told you. <laughs> and uh, Foggy at the, adds at the end and perspective. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and Don't then the learn perspective. Yeah. Perspective, it's, it's, I think it really is the most important fundamental. Jay, where would you like people to go to find, about, find out more about you and the stuff that you do? Uh, I would probably go to Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is just Jaxer, J-A-Y-A-X-E-R, or uh, my Twitch, which is the same, J-A-Y-A-X-E-R. Um, I stream 
sporadically, but when I stream, I'm almost always talking about something or with people I'm happy to answer questions. Wax philosophic or just tell you what my favorite food is. But uh, on Twitter, it's an art Twitter. Uh, so it's mostly art on occasion. The other things pop up, like with the Blizzard support of uh, uh, changing out management and stuff like that. I did post about that. and uh, But mostly it's just artwork or posting there when I'm on a podcast like this one, stuff like that. <laughs> and our trademark final question that you have now answered two times before. So for the third time, <laughs> Jay, besides personal work and professional work what is one thing in the world that's happening that you're excited about uh, i'm gonna go into just my personal world and because you know most people are going to answer some very political things or some very vaccinated things i think um my my personal excitement right now is that i've learned with cami to slow down our lives a little bit garden a little bit more We've got a puzzle on the back table. Um, we're removing ourselves from the internet more and more a little bit. Sounds like I'm getting old, but I'm not. What I'm realizing is just interpersonal relationships have mattered so much more to me than than other things. I'm trying to take the time to do things that are relaxing while I just kind of talk with Cami or, or whomever. And I'm very excited about that because it, it changes your perspective on things when you slow down and remove yourself from, from the grind. And I know that's probably a weird answer, but that's my answer and I'm not changing it. So. No, it's totally great. Um, Alicia Hannigan, uh, a former guest of ours as well, uh, she similarly just totally did a complete and total uh, release from Twitter, and she said her mental health has never been better since. But putting words in her mouth, that, that's not paraphrasing what her response was. Right. Thank you again so much, Jay. This has been uh, as great as all the other times, and I'm sure we'll do it again, man. Thank you. It's always an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I salute you. I hit.